right, we're doing it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Triple Feature for our, I think, eighth episode. Uh, we've been yes, talking sir. about Vietnam in the month of November, and we've been watching some Vietnam movies. Today is our last Vietnam November pick. So we'll be talking about Apocalypse Now later. But first, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Emma. I'm Freddie. And I'm Seabear. And Seabear is a Scottaholic. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, We also have a guest. (laughs) What's up? We also have a guest with us today. Um, Just like we did last week. Wow, we're just like filling up on guests. I'm here for it. Um, Having my fill of guests. And this guest is very special because um, I'm married to him. My wife. (laughs) (laughs) Introduce yourself, babe. I got to introduce myself? Yeah. Yeah. This is lame. Have you ever been on a podcast? Yeah, okay. Okay, All right. I already introduced you as my husband. So, yes, I am. This person is infamous. He is legendary. He has many (laughs) other titles under his belt. From what I've seen, he does pottery. He is. Cameron. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Welcome to the pod. First time. Uh, your most repeated guest. Uh, <laughs> I've been on the pod before. In uh, spirit. Yeah. He's yeah. always been in the, well, adjacent to the room. I'm thrilled to be here. My name's Cameron. And he's just And I, I saw a movie on this podcast this week, so. And that never happens. That's he actually saw two so movies this week. It's crazy. <laughs> For future guests, that's the only qualifier you need is just to see a movie. Just watch one movie. <laughs> have you ever seen a movie? Yeah, have you ever heard of movies? Do you want to be a guest on Triple yeah. Feature? Watch one movie. This is the only podcast that says, what are movies? <laughs> It's the and have only you seen one. Have you ever seen a movie? <laughs> you know, movie listen action. to this podcast. Moving oh, yeah. images. Triple feature. Movies. Abbreviated movie. Yeah. That's how they got their name. Movies. Talkies. Motion pictures. You ever Flicker seen a... shows? You ever seen... <laughs> you ever seen a moving picture? <laughs> Come on our podcast. Welcome to 1914. <laughs> right in, dude. Triple feature at gmail.com. Our special guest, the Lumiere Brothers. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I definitely knew what I was getting into when I asked Cameron if he wanted to be a guest on oh, this sorry. podcast. Here for the goofy silly But um, Cameron is the most unserious person that I know. I tried. He really balances me out. He really does. And he makes me laugh a lot. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's good. So, uh, Not I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, bye, everybody. Fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get Make into sure the actual show. Um, yeah, if this is your first time here with us, Welcome. Welcome. Uh, this is chaotic. It's not always like this, but it, it should be. <laughs> honestly, it should always be like this. Um, but usually we have a month, have a theme for a month, and we kind of like talk about movies that fit that theme. And it's called Triple Feature because there's really three of us and we each pick a movie um, that fits that theme. And we also talk about our recently watched 
and uh, what we've been watching on our own, uh, not related to the podcast and talking about fun things that we've been seeing. Um, but yeah, so we're on a lot of things. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on YouTube. We're getting there. Wherever podcasts we're getting are there. We're a little behind on YouTube, but we're getting there. <laughs> we'll be caught up. We'll be caught up soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What else should I say before we get into our recently watched? Uh, you can follow us all on Letterboxd for more reviews if you don't necessarily have time to talk about certain movies True. or just if you want to actually see uh, our initial thoughts about movies before our episodes and stuff. So Very for me true. on Letterboxd, I am Big Papa Seabear. I like it when they call me Big Papa Seabear. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, what my family calls me. They call me Big Papa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is copyright claim. We're not making any money on this podcast. <laughs> 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 um, Freddie, what's your Letterboxd? My Letterboxd is Freddie Dakota or F Dakota. If you want to get specific okay my letterbox is emma hodge h-o-d-g-e uh cameron what's your letterbox uh i created one <laughs> it's oh, for yeah. your movie that you okay. saw it's for Good the one movie he it. saw <laughs> cameron does not want y'all to see his letterbox <laughs> yeah no uh i actually do have a letterbox my profile picture was normal ray Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I do not Sally remember uh, what my handle was, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it, y'all. You gotta love it. Okay. So, this is the part of the show where we get into our recently watched. Today, we're going to start with Freddie because, as usual, well, sometimes he, he surprises <laughs> us with, like, two movies. Two but whole movies? Per usual, he has one movie to share with us. Freddie, what is the one movie Busy you man. watched this Busy week? guy. Um, I, so my one movie that I saw, I thought that I saw more and, you know, I found out I saw one. So, hey, you know, sometimes, you do, it, sometimes it'd be how it is. People don't think that'd be how it is. But That's how it'd be. So the one movie that I saw was Kung Fu Master from 1988. Freddie B. Freddie B. Stick into that Criterion collection. I'm a sucker for the Criterion channel. <laughs> it's like, damn, if you I don't know if you have a target demo, but it's me. So oh, I'm about to once when I beat Spider Man, I'm about to go balls deep in the channel. Whoa, <laughs> balls, whoa, balls whoa. deep. Yeah. Balls <laughs> deep. They got, um, they got that new December money on this podcast. <laughs> like it's gonna be great. So, um in terms of kung fu movies, does this have anything to do with pandas? <laughs> It does not. And now this is where it's going to get a little... So here's the thing. Here's the thing about Kung Fu Master. This is a movie that, though I am I am like such an Agnes Varda fan, um, Cameron I was does not, not familiar. Know who that is. I too, Yeah, he's a big fan. Honestly, a huge fan. Everyone's a big fan. Don't play yeah. coy. I know you've seen them all. <laughs> no, I am. I am. Uh, so... <laughs> Kung Fu Master was really only an Agnes Varda movie that was on my radar uh, maybe in the last couple weeks. And I decided to to watch it. Um, and I don't know how I feel about it, to be quite honest mm -hmm. with you all. Um, it's probably, of all the ones that I have seen, it is probably my least favorite oh. Agnes Varda movie. Oh, yuck. And 
It's a tough. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading the I'm reading the synopsis. This yeah. is gross. So it's kind of a tough uh, subject. So it's about. A 40-year-old woman that falls in love with a 15-year-old boy. Gross. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and it's, if, if you look at, if you look at Letterboxd reviews of it, it's very, like, it is clearly polarizing. And. But he was a Kung Fu master. So is what I'm saying. Kung Fu master is the name of the video game that he plays. So, like. <laughs> so he's good at a video game. Oh. And she's like, that's hot. So the thing is, it's like this weird, like, she is like, and this is where it's like, it's so like, you just feel like gross because it's like she, she is drawn towards this like level of innocence within him, which is, it's so weird. But I feel like there's, there's multiple ways that I've seen people talk about it. Some people are just flat out like it's gross, and honestly, I think if that's the if that if that's the takeaway from it, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I think that is, I think that's a perfectly fine take. Like I said, I f- don't fully know how I feel about it. You know, I'm well, coming off of the back of uh, uh, Happiness, yeah. the movie about the guy that's cheating on his wife. Yeah, and it's it's and like shot from the perspective yeah. of the husband and like his just like ignorance uh and it feels it almost feels similar in this one where it's like you're seeing something that you know is like this is not this is not okay like she is fully (laughs) grooming this child um he is 15 he is 15 Gives me the ick. I mean, okay. Yeah, and it's definitely one of those things where it's like, it's... Oh, she loved him. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily... Is it love? Could it be? Yeah. It's... it's oh God. It's definitely like, people are going to interpret this movie in multiple different ways. Based well, it's... On how it's it giving, what year did it come out? 1988. 1988. It's giving licorice pizza. It's giving... Which I haven't seen like licorice pizza. pizza so. And people were very divided on that movie. Honestly, and so it's having... It was 18. Uh, it's having you know. Is that is that a thing of licorice pizza? Just just tell me straight. Alana so Hyam is twenty five, and mm-hmm. Cooper Hoffman is like yeah. fifteen. Well, what about licorice okay? Pizza? So oh. that's the those film. Characters. Al- those are the actors. Alana Hyam. Yeah. One of one third of Hyam. Yeah. Hyam. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's one of those things where he like some that. of the some <laughs> of the yeah. twists that happen in this story are very. Uh they're very jarring there is no like there is there are no sex scenes in this movie i will say that much um but like the way that the story plays out you're like what is you know i have a feeling nobody if you're gonna watch this you already know what's happening so i'm just gonna say some things about it the parents of this 40 year old woman essentially enable her in the third act of this movie and they let her like run off with this boy to an island in the middle of nowhere and it's very strange very much like what like what Sounds is happening yeah. um and then i will say this the movie doesn't the movie does not end well for this woman like it's condemned her daughter finds out about it and her daughter like r- like goes in on her and is like this is this is gross like what 
what is wrong with you because her daughter is she the, her daughter is the same age as this boy ick so Big it's it's a soups ick. it's it's something like i said it is not my <laughs> it's not my favorite agnes varda and if you're looking to watch agnes varda movies don't start this, with that one do not start with this one <laughs> this is one where it's like if you're like okay i like me you're committed to watching all the Agnes Varda movies. Like you're gonna eventually have to watch it, but this is not is the that... Agnes Varda movie to go out of your way to watch. I will say question, that. question, because yeah. like, is is it like, like, like what we're, what you're saying? Like, it's just that looming cloud of just that ick, of just yeah. like, uh, like, like all uh. this stuff versus like, because like the thing with like Licorice Pizza, I had the same thought. Like it was just the same looming cloud of like, yeah, this. This, this is a is child yeah. that, that that we're watching, and like she, like granted, like she's tw- like twenty five, which and like she's is... not really grooming him. He kind of initi- initiates yeah. the relationship, but still, there he's is the that one ick. that does it. But it's still, it's still like gross. Yeah. But it's also reminds me of like everyone's issue with Scott Pilgrim of Scott dating knives, yeah, because he's twenty three and she's seventeen. Oh, yikes. but like Big with yikes. with Scott, yeah, with yeah. Scott but Pilgrim, in the movie, they make fun of him for dating a high schooler, and that's like yes. So that makes it okay. and and he doesn't do anything with the high schooler. <laughs> but but it is something of like my question is is like does it have style or substance or like other things going for it or is it just like this story? Because with Scott Pilgrim, like people kind of get over that issue because like it's an Edgar Wright movie, yeah. And so it's like the 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 oh. visuals that you know they're overstimulated from everything else. That at the end they're like, oh wait, that that also was a little weird. And then same thing with Licorice Pizza. It's directed by you know Paul Thomas Anderson, and like there's also like great scenes in the movie, you know all this stuff. And there were parts of the movie where I forget that he's 15, and I'm like, well, then part of me is like, wait, he's 15. So is it like that with Agnes Berto, or is it just like? you know, a 1980s movie where it's just, this is the plot of the movie. No, it's definitely, it's definitely meant to be like a, I don't want to, I don't know if meditation is the right word, but like the, the movie is about, you know, like this woman and, you know, you're like, you're like following her as she is like falling in love with this child. Okay. So you're, and that's where it's like it does get uncomfortable because, but it's like that's that's what the movie is about. It's not like a, it's not a something like else. A, it's not like a side. It's not like a side plot. <laughs> like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, this is a relationship. Like the movie is like, like you watch her when she, she's like going around trying to find the the kung fu master arcade game that this kid likes. Um, she's trying to find it. So she can, like, plan to take him to this mall that has it there as, like, oh, look, like, I brought you, I brought you to this little arcade and it has your favorite arcade game. Um, So, like, there's a scene where she's wandering all over the city looking for this arcade game. Um, So. Okay. You're you're definitely, like, the the point of the, the movie is that you're sort of, like, watching this unfold yeah you're watching this unfold okay so yeah 
<laughs> okay, that makes well, sense. Well, sounds delightful. Um, thank delightful, you for. What do you, what do you um, rate it? <laughs> oh my god, and that's the thing. I don't even know. I haven't even put a. I haven't even put a letterbox. Right. A, well, because what I mean up. is, it's like, what do you, what, what do you rate it in terms of Agnes Verda? Because there's always that thing of like, you know, people that watch the MCU where it's like, like you know, before Endgame, where they're like, all MC, even the bad MCU movies are six out of tens, or like people that watch Wes Anderson, like, like all of Wes Anderson movies, like they're like, even the bad Wes Anderson movies are seven out of tens. No such thing you know, as a bad like, Wes Anderson movie. Big distance. <laughs> I would say you, that but, it's yes, but but you know what I'm saying? Is this yeah. an actual like? bad Agnes Berta movie and also a bad movie or is it just like like you said like just a bad Agnes Berta movie but it's still like pretty good like direction and everything I would say I would probably give it like a three three out of five um out of five wow sounds legit out of ten well on letterbox it's out of five babe (laughs) I'd give it a 16 out of 82 Cool. Lovely. Hell yeah, Cameron. Love it. <laughs> but it, I, it's like, yeah, it's definitely my least favorite Agnes Varda movie. Okay. It's I mean it's still like it's uh, it's it's still obviously well directed and everything, but it is. It's it's. It's a. It is a it's a three. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a dip in quality. It's definitely, like it. it's a dip. Yeah, nice, it's a, it's <laughs> a nice, 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 nice. It's a tough movie to talk about, let alone like recommend to somebody in good conscience. <laughs> so do not oh, recommend. Yeah. At least yeah. that's the first. Yeah, like if somebody was like, "What are all the Agnes?" Like I'm watching all the Agnes Varda I mean, movies. I've what been are the watching Agnes, Agnes Varda my entire life. Yeah, since you were born. I'm out <laughs> the womb. Yeah, it's much. like it's like Ben, it's like Bill Hader in with his Criterion Closet, where he's like, "Oh, Solo, this is a great first date movie." <laughs> it's just like, dude, like, no, not not a good first okay. date movie. A lot of people went to see Licorice Pizza on a date and did ca- came out with a very different relationship. Yeah, have you ever yeah. had Licorice Pizza? Uh, the only what the only the the other no. one would be people that went on dates to see midsummer yeah that's a little different though that's more of just like uh don't be a shitty boyfriend oh, that's when you find out you got a shitty boyfriend yes, is if you take him exactly. to midsummer <laughs> that was that was barbie i've seen so many reddit stories of people like girls taking their boyfriend to go see barbie <laughs> and they broke up with their boyfriend because they're like they didn't get the movie yeah oh, like there was one there was one where the, the boyfriend was like i've heard I a lot like of stories like Ken. this and it's like, bro, you got to miss the right the over point. your head, you yeah. dummy. Yeah, we, I mean, honestly, we have more successfully brought up Barbie on the last like three podcasts. So let's if, keep it up. Let the record if show. If your relationship couldn't like survive Barbie the Barbie too. movie, it was never meant to be. I hate to break it to you, but yeah, a lot of people are. Well, a lot of girlfriends are saying it's the Barbie test instead of the wife test. It's the Barbie <laughs> test. The Barbie <laughs> test. All right. I love it. Um. Okay. Can your man sit through Barbie? And enjoy it. He's a good one. He's a keeper. Yeah, yeah. Keep him around. He's not a misogynist. <laughs> Cam, do you want to talk about your one movie? No, thanks. I'll wait for somebody else to go. You want me to go right now? Yeah, just do it. Okay, drop it. Drop your one movie that you watched this week. I watched one movie this week. And it was, Why, how could you only watch one movie, Cameron? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not, not Freddy. <laughs> I would never watch one movie. Um, yeah, so following in the footsteps of a host of the show, 
Um, I saw one movie this week, and it was during the recording of last week's episode. Uh, I watched Requiem for a Dream. Hell yeah. Are you doing the music from Requiem for a Dream? Yeah. You know, I made a... Emma's seen it, so she knows the music. Me and my friend from middle school made a a fake movie trailer called Bikes and Scooters, and it was supposed to be this action movie, and we set the trailer to the Requiem for a Dream song. Yeah. I, I haven't seen this movie. That is my entire association with it is using the music for that like two minutes. I'm gonna share trailer. my relationship with that song. I'm about to put myself on blast to the audience of this podcast. Emma played trumpet. I was a baton twirler. <laughs> nice. In high school and in college. And I did a routine to that song. Damn. Yeah. It's pretty sick. Okay, tell is us that, about the movie. You don't have to. Uh, like, is, that how, is that how you wooed Cameron? Uh, what do you? What, what <laughs> would you say? Much. Yeah, pretty much. He was just twirling. <laughs> just twirling. And I was like, like Damn. "Whoa, look at her spin those things." Gotta put a ring on that. <laughs> that <laughs> honestly, I got something you could spin. <laughs> Oh my god, we are definitely not making money on this podcast. I was gonna say oh, they're gonna demonetize. <laughs> they're gonna demonetize our no money. Again. We're gonna go negative. We We're gonna have to pay. Have to, I mean, technically, we already are. So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to pay more. Let them they're gonna fine us. <laughs> anyway, can we get into so this? What do, you think, what do you think of Requiem for a Dream? Oh, I thought it was a dream of a movie. Let me tell you. If I had to <laughs> requiem a dream, that would be the dream that I requiemed. I Damn. gotta say. Is it of all the dream heroin? movies, is it number one? Uh, name another dream movie. Inception. True. Paprika. I don't know that I saw that without... <laughs> without... Uh, Getting very physical with my wife. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> wow. He said, he said, what about Inception? And I was all, my wife. Yeah, well, I saw Inception once, but the only time. Oh. <laughs> Babe, that wasn't Inception. That was The Dark Knight Rises. No, it was Inception. No, it was The Dark Knight Rises. I know exactly what you're talking no, about. That we was don't Inception. need to bring this up. Okay, well, you're Okay, yes. <laughs> we do not. The only time I saw Inception. No, we don't need to talk about this. We did not this. get very far into it. We don't need to talk about this. Okay. And this movie, however. Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> I'm talking about dreams. Uh, no, it, it was really just like a fever dream. It's a drug movie. It's mm. like, oh, have you ever been on drugs? Have you ever like lost everything? That's what the movie is. Okay. Pretty much. Uh, that sounds like a party. Yeah, no, it, it really is. It's it's a party gone wrong. Oh, man. It's like a horror movie. Not really horror. Well, but. So, what, what would you we, rate it? Yeah. I, well, out of like five? Yeah, five or ten. Four, Go ten, for it. whatever. Or give us a completely it, arbitrary rating it? system. It's up to yeah. you, man. Would you recommend yeah, it? Well, I'd give it uh, six drugs out of ten lives. Nice. All right. That's a pretty solid drug night. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I'm totally vibing with it. Like, they all get, like, hooked (laughs) on 
like heroin or something. Hooked on phonics. <laughs> yeah, all hooked on phonics. <laughs> uh, hey, keeping this PG because we want to keep this monetized. Yeah, we definitely right. want to make money. Yeah, right. Like we just talk about pedophilia and heroin something. in the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, they all get hooked on drugs. <laughs> Freddie, that's for all you map blasters out there. For all you map blasters <laughs> out there. One lady's on pills. That's the mom. And then one lady's just like, I, I'm hooked on heroin based on my boyfriend, and now I gotta sell my body for sex. You know, it, it's one of those movies. Wow. It's one, one of those. Six out Kill, of ten. Tale as old as time. Life. <laughs> okay. If you want to do right. drugs... Watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then do drugs. All right. That's fine. Have you ever seen the movie Enter the Void? Nope. No. I haven't seen it either, but I have it's an, it's like a, it's another drug movie. A but, great movie to reference. Yeah, great movie to let me reference a movie I've never seen. But I was just wondering because it is like a really like out it's like a really out there movie, like from everything when people talk about it, they're like, it doesn't necessarily have a plot. It literally just it's, it's just like drugs. a visual trip it's just drugs yeah yeah Rick for a dream is like four people's lives ending poorly well thanks and for Jared Leto the movie. Is in it. yeah so is jennifer Connelly. he just Connelly. climbed the empire state building we don't really need to hear about jared this Leto. is now a jared leto podcast just <laughs> so <laughs> y'all know yeah. did you not <laughs> know emma twist. that he's pretty twisted he was in the suicide squad <laughs> he's oh. pretty twisted he was in 30 seconds to mars <laughs> the kill wow y'all ever heard that song Shout out to Jared Leto, we're listener big, of the pod. We're big fans. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> we're going to have him we're on next fans. week. So y'all big career. Yeah. He's our next guest Listen for next week. to next week's pod with Jared Leto, triple feature. And to promote Can I talk about whatever. my movies now? Yeah, Emma, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Emma, what have you been watching? Sure, sure, sure. Well, um, we talked about... Kong Skull Island on on one of our uh, uh, Vietnam November weeks, ooh, and that was ooh, Connor's ooh, pick. Ooh, ooh, and ooh. I had seen it before, but you know, I just watched it Monkey. again, and um, you know, I just like, I just love, I just love Kong. He's just, yeah, he's just a big baby, you know. He's a big um, monkey, and <laughs> so I found myself in a position of having some free time and i decided to catch myself up on the monarch universe which includes films like godzilla king of the monsters from 2019 and godzilla versus kong from 2021 and um you know (laughs) i yeah i can tell connor really wants to talk about this because you're a big (laughs) monarch monster verse fan uh and i yeah okay so i guess i guess all (laughs) i could really say about this because i don't want to dwell on it too long is the movies themselves did not do a lot for me i was (laughs) um you know underwhelmed by the events happening in said movies it was more kind of like a folding laundry kind of movie um however What they did do for me was both of them, as well as Kong's Skull Island, really made me just really made me love both Godzilla and Kong to the point where I was like, big monster, 
So sweet. <laughs> sweet, cute monster. I, that I love that. <laughs> it's from Ragnarok. Ah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, to the point where I was, you know, at the end of Godzilla versus Kong, and I was like, no, you're friends. Don't fight. Be friends. And yeah, they have a common be enemy. Don't, Mechagodzilla. Don't, you know, uh, please don't kill each other because I like both of you. They're both so cool. They're both so big. And I'm like, why, if not friend, why friend-shaped? Why do you look like that if I'm not supposed to give you a big hug so um specifically kong honestly but even godzilla's kind of cute you give him a little hug yeah his his face yeah, is shaped kind of cute yeah godzilla, godzilla go, the monster like godzilla is really cool. multiple times has like kind of a goofy little face yeah he has like a round face mm-hmm. he's kind of cute i'm like i godzilla we could be friends. <laughs> anyway, so I'm like, I, would ch- I would chill with the homie Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't kill me. We're being chilling. Yeah. So obviously, both are kind of like established as like I, they're not trying to kill people, only if they are being harmed by people. So I'm like, yeah, just be friends and protect humans. It's fine. Anyway, well, um, Godzilla. And Kong. Godzilla protects humans. Well, and Kong. Kong, Kong, Kong. Kong protects Skull Island, but like by yeah. Godzilla versus King Kong, he has no reason to protect humans. Sure. <laughs> he has, whereas that's Godzilla's whole, like, I guess you could say Himbo. arc, is that he's like, I guess I'm friends with you guys. Yeah, the, as long as you're not trying the, to kill me, you know, I'm good. Yeah, the thing, my relationship with the MonsterVerse is just like, I, you know, I like big big monsters yeah. I, I like big monsters they're i like cool. them when they're cute i watched i watched the the, the matthew broderick godzilla really yeah, young yeah, yeah. i had a I best friend i had a best friend whose uh dad gave me uh <laughs> it you know government if you're listening don't listen uh pirated <laughs> godzilla dvds oh my god uh, this podcast is over um, everybody woo, 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 so uh, yeah. here they come so, the police are here so so yeah. some tokyo godzilla movies but like me and my best friend cole shout out to cole shout out uh, cole. really like uh godzilla and so i've always liked him and when the 2014 movie came out we thought it was fine like it's a good you know blockbuster but it wasn't until Kong Skull Island, where it does that post-credit scene and it reveals that it's going to be a connected universe. I literally lost my shit in the theaters because I was like, "Oh shit!" Like we're actually going to get a King Kong versus Godzilla. Where is and it building up to that was great. It is gone. Godzilla King of it. Monsters <laughs> is a whatever movie. Millie Bobby Brown is in it. She's fine. Kyle Chandler's the best part because it's Kyle Chandler. It's Kyle. Um, <laughs> and Sexy. then uh, you know Friday Night Lights Friday. acting. It's great. <laughs> But then, like, <laughs> it's mainly just the visuals that make the movies great. The, the biggest thing is, is that my girlfriend, Tasha, she loves Godzilla. She likes dinosaurs, but she also loves big monsters, too. I actually got her for Christmas this year because we've been competing with Christmas gifts. I got her the Criterion Collection Godzilla collection of the Shoho era uh, Godzilla movies. So it's yeah. 15 movies from 1950 to 1975 so at some point i might be going through those movies (laughs) on this podcast but with that it's just like godzilla as a concept is just so cool like he's just such a cool monster 
But the big the biggest movie that I like is Godzilla versus King Kong because the whole director said the whole point of the movie is just building to the end fight where they're like they're gonna fight. Like they're gonna fight and it's gonna be long. And it's like four I think like what, like forty minutes they like fight, like Godzilla, King Kong. A lot. And then they throw in and then they throw in Mecha Godzilla. It's like this is awesome. Like this is sick. And that's all people really wanted out of these movies. And so to finally get that out of Godzilla versus King Kong is kinda cool. But out of like these all monster movies, the biggest like recommendation I can give is watch Shin Godzilla, which is from Toho, the original people that make Godzilla. Shin Godzilla is really great. It's a perfect Godzilla movie. And then also, I don't know if Godzilla Minus One that is coming out this year at the beginning of December is a sequel to Shin Godzilla or if it's an actual like soft reboot of Godzilla. But that has been getting great reviews and most likely I'm going to be watching that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll probably watch that too. Uh, it looks good. Looks like pretty good effects. I will say I didn't think the special effects on Godzilla vs. Kong were as good as Kong Skull Island. I don't think Kong looked as good as he did in Skull Island. Well, he's a lot bigger. I think like the boat, the boat sequence in Kong, uh, God's, Godzilla vs. Kong is cool. Yeah, it was very... Yeah, I, I mean, mean, having CGIing water is hard. So, like, I, I give you props for that. But, yeah, I just... Uh, I yeah, just, I can yeah, see it. I, I it mean, wasn't as good of visual effects. Yeah, I've also watched, like, the breakdowns and stuff, like, the corridor video of, like, one of the, the designers, like, talking about it and stuff. So, it's, like, it's one of those things of, like, ah, like, it's not like I can forgive them, but it's, like, you made the movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's 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 that on Godzilla versus Kong, the the monster verse. There's there's things that are always going to be coming out. Uh but yeah, I'm caught up on that, I guess. I also watched two new films. Uh The Killer from David Fincher was released on Friday and I enjoyed it a bit. I gave it like a 4 out of 5. 8 out of 10, because I don't think it's Fincher's best film. I think he's got a lot of movies that are way better. Uh, But it was kind of like this stab at something that he hasn't done, and it's like very much like an action thriller. Anyway, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed Michael Fassbender's performance, and um, it's just different than stuff that Fincher has done. Um, yeah. So that's the killer. Um, and then the other 2020, 2023 film I watched was the Marvels. So I went to the movie theater to watch that this week and I honestly enjoyed it. And people definitely have been (laughs) giving it a hard time. And I think a lot of that has to do with just, like, the MCU just being in crisis right now. Because I think if... Because if I think if the Marvels was released 10 years ago, people would be just eating this shit up. But... Or even if just, like, the MCU had a plan. Like, like if people understood, like, where... Like, the next... Well, I think think the MCU has much bigger problems than just their lack of plan and their lack of vision. I think it's... I think, it's like I think it has Captain... a lot to do with Bob Iger being the CEO of Disney and well, yeah. not... Shout out to Bob Iger. Shout out to that motherfucker. 
Um, <laughs> shout out to shout out to all the CEOs. Come of on Disney, the pod. You know, that don't Come on the pod. Stop on by. Shout out to Cats and oh, yeah, I shout out to Cats and Burger. I would love for Bob Iger to come on this pod. I have a no. Lot I just I just think like ahead. what I mean by roadmap is just like because like with when when Captain Marvel came out like yeah there were some people that didn't like it but there were some people that gave it a pass because they're like well at least like it's it's leading towards Endgame or sure. even like Black Panther where like there were people that like didn't enjoy the last like you know third act and they're like well again like at least it's going to infinity war same thing with ragnarok well, like all really these movies that, that were leading that. towards infinity war and endgame Connor, because it's like the, the in-between movies it's really funny that you say that because i think the opposite is happening with captain marvel not captain marvel the marvels uh whereas yeah. the end the end credit scene which i will not spoil but spoil the it. end credit scene is um definitely <laughs> something that got me very excited and has people talking and so i think the opposite is happening with this movie where it's like maybe the movie isn't perfect but once you watch that in credit scene you kind of it's fun you kind of like forget about the faults of the movie um but for me i just had a good time um for those of you that watched miss marvel on disney plus which is not Captain Marvel. It is a um, <laughs> high school Pakistani Kala girl Khan. who has like light powers that are similar to Captain Marvel, and she's like a huge Captain Marvel like stan. Okay, like she like is obsessed with Captain Marvel. Freddie, to um, put it in perspective, she is literally Deku from My Hero. Okay, <laughs> like, well, she's yeah. just like, like, she's, she's yeah. just a lot of fun, and I honestly really enjoyed the yeah. Miss Marvel television show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we have. The Marvels, which is Captain Marvel, and then they meet up with Kamala Khan, Monica who is Miss Marvel, and Monica Rambeau, and they have this like trio of like female, diverse, badass superheroes, and like that's really cool. And not only that, but it's the first Marvel film that is directed by a black woman, and so it's like it's kind of a it's kind of like bullshit that like we're releasing something like this when marvel is literally sinking and it's like yeah i'm not even excited about this like come on like uh and i wasn't that excited about it i'm i wasn't that excited about it like i have been for past marvel things i guess but yeah i but i enjoyed it mainly because kamala khan and her family have a lot of airtime in this movie and they are the highlight they are so funny and they just bring so much magic to this movie literally and figuratively (laughs) but um her family is just adorable and um you know she's kind of like this kid so they're always just like every time we see them they're like Kamala you better come home you better not die like um just just being really cute and sweet and just um yeah so it was almost like another it was like a Miss Marvel movie so yeah, that's that's I wanted that's to... exciting because like I really like Miss Marvel. I read the Miss Marvel run in high school in twenty fourteen or so. I will say, if you I, liked Miss Marvel, you're gonna like Marvels. 
Yeah, like I like the show as well because it really like capsulates her character. She basically is like, like you said, Emma, like she's she's like her character was introduced in the comics as just this ultimate fan girl because in the comics there's so many yeah. you know, superheroes and stuff. So it's like, what if someone was born and there's already superheroes? Yeah, and so what do they want to become? They want to become a superhero. It's almost like this generation where it's like you know a lot of people want to become YouTubers, yeah, you know, or influencers. She and and she gets and so, to yeah, like. So, she gets to like fangirl in front of Captain Marvel, like because they get to and, meet and, a, and work and together. She's so cool. Yeah, they, they were trying to do that with Spider Man at the MCU with Tony yeah, Stark with Iron Man. But, yeah. but the thing, but the thing, it makes sense with Spider Man because it's like who would he idolize? It would be the smartest man in the MCU at least, which is Tony Stark. Because with Spider Man, his biggest idols are always the smartest people. That being Doctor Octavius. Dr. Connors, who end up becoming, you know, the uh, Doc Ock or the Lizard. So, like, a lot of, like, Spider-Man villains are, like, quote-unquote, the smartest people in his world and stuff. And so, for the MCU, it just makes sense that it's Tony Stark. And the fact that (sighs) with Ms. Marvel, it's just cool that, like, we get to... We actually get to see someone really fangirl out about like the stuff like I told you Freddie like it's just like Deku in My Hero Academia if any audience members watches My Hero Academia like it's just like the main character in that where he idolizes all these superheroes he idolizes All Might and wants to become a hero until finally he gets that chance and it's a story about him becoming the world's number one hero and with Miss Marvel it's like hopefully that is the route that they take this character with the MCU especially because they casted such a young actress that I would love to see her basically become like the next big actress in movies but also in the mcu of just becoming like the biggest character sure it's great well i do think that you're gonna be pleased with the ending of this film um so again not to spoil anything um i also just this is not a movie but it's in relationship to the mcu so i had to bring it up but i watched season two of loki and it is the oh, best thing that Marvel that. has put out since <laughs> Endgame. I'm not joking. Like I was, I need to catch up. I was in shambles. I haven't even started. I was literally <laughs> bawling my eyes out watching the end of Loki. And Loki okay. is dear to you me. Swayed me specifically. Like I have always loved Loki, and y'all know because y'all listen to my Kong Skull Island. I'm in love <laughs> with Tom Hiddleston. I, I think he, he's hot. I I high key. Love Loki. Loki. No, but um, he's been one of my favorites just because he's such an interesting character. He's like an anti-hero. Oh my god! So I just think like I don't. I'm I'm not saying the MCU is back by any means because they have they have (laughs) internal problems. Like they have like not paying your actors and your writers and your visual effects people problems that will only be fixed by um, I don't know a a co-op instead of having a fucking billionaire in charge that has no idea what art is. But um, I well, will say, I will, I will say that the people that are in, the people yeah. that are in charge of Loki know what they're doing. And they have, they have made two seasons of a show that it's honestly, to me, I think it's the only MCU show that is actually working like a TV show and not like a six episode movie. Because uh, I think that's been the problem with the with the MCU shows is like they don't know how to make a TV show, <laughs> but yeah. with Loki that's not the case. And th- with Loki they have like incredible 
production design and incredible writing and god tom hiddleston is crazy good in this crazy good i just like can't recommend it enough he gets a chance to show his range he's got range of course but he just is also just so um so i can't into the character yeah, he just loves this character so much. You can tell yeah. he's just putting so much into it. To the point that yeah. he's a producer. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, but y'all, the ending of the it, show. Tr- the ending of the show. I just need y'all to watch it so that we can okay. talk about the ending of the show. I, need, I is- need to get caught up. I've been superhero fatigued. I think, like, Same. Eternals <laughs> kind of... I think Eternals kind of started it. For, like, Freddie knows, I'm all in on superheroes. He was the... Like, when I met him in college and I found out that he had a car, I forced him to go see Batman versus Superman <laughs> because it had Batman in it. Oh, God. That and because it was sucks. superheroes. Yeah. Uh, even though I knew it was going to be bad, but I'm like, I'll pay for your ticket, man. Like, I gotta go see this <laughs> type of event. But, like, yeah, by, like, Eternals... Poor Freddy had to sit through that stupid movie. (laughs) I really... I was not excited to go see Batman Superman. (laughs) But I paid for your ticket! I was like, we gotta hang out, so... Yeah, so, but, but like, since Eternals, it's kind of gone downhill, but, like, I've been, like, watching pretty much everything, and I think what really kind of tipped the scales for me this year was Secret Invasion and The Flash. God, it was so bad. I'm just big... So bad. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, and I was just kind of like, all right. We can I think just I'm pretend that Secret Invasion never happened. We yeah, because like most, most of every, most of every other show, I'm like, or like movie, I'm like, you know, it may be bad, but I'm like, at least it has this or that. But like, I didn't go see Morbius. I, you know, Secret Invasion was bad. Like, The Flash was also bad, and I'm just like. Sorry, Jared. Sorry, Jared. You didn't yeah. go see the movie that was so good they played a billion it dollars. In the yeah. theaters. Shout yeah, out exactly. to Jared Leto. Shout out to Morgan. Yeah. I will say that was probably I got an immense amount of joy from them re- like not being able to read the room. They have no the media literacy. People were memeing the yeah. fuck out of them for more. Well, that's Sony. And then they re-released the movie and they're like, no. why did nobody see it? They're like, nobody likes it. What do you, well, it's the same thing that's going to happen to Madam Webb. No media literacy whatsoever. But yeah, but like basically like, because I still haven't started Gen V, which is like the spin-off series to I the watched boys. It. Um, or even Invincible that also started. So it's like, I know these things are I good. I watch a lot it's of just TV like, too. At, Quite a bit. Yeah, like, like at, at this point, like, I'm just kind of like tired. But like with Loki, like I was waiting for like something to happen on Twitter where people are like, holy shit, like this is it. Like like if, if you haven't been watching these Marvel shows, like you got to come back and nothing broke out. And you saying this is kind of great because it's like, Dude, all right, cool. Like, (laughs) yeah, I need to watch this because, especially because, like, I'm about to like unsubscribe to Disney Plus because of the fact of like I've been kind of also been burnt out on Star Wars and stuff, and it's just something where it's getting too expensive and things, and that's a whole different conversation of maximizing money. But I'm like, all right, if I need to like get caught up on this, I should probably binge that before I actually cancel this this subscription. Go for it, dude. For real. So, for me, like when it comes to superhero stuff i i watched the first i think i watched the first five episodes of invincible i watched i'm also watching invincible i watched um that's a good show in the winter soldier 
I watched Not WandaVision. WandaVision like, rocked. There, there was not a there was not a point where it's like I saw a movie and it was like this is this is the breaking point for me. Like I'm I'm kind of getting over it. I just got I just got burnt out. It was like as soon as Endgame happened, I was like already kind of like okay, and then it was like stuff just kept getting pumped out, and I'm like I can't. I have no desire to keep up with any of this, so I just yeah. I just like stopped. I'm like, what? I don't I don't have you any don't care about to it keep enough. up with it because yeah. I'm not I'm not invested in the story anymore. But no, it if back it's up, not sure, but it's like I keep seeing I kept seeing Marvel movies, and I'm like, this is filler. If they're you know what, like uh, uh, Doctor Strange two. That was the I saw so it, bad. and that was like I'm like there's too much there's too much setup for movies that aren't this I'm like I would love to just see a movie where it's like this is the story and not have it attached to like hey mm-hmm. here's six other here's six more hours of content that we need well, you to watch my... for the next right. big movie to make I'm sense. just saying if it's if it's not making you happy don't watch it yeah for sure yeah. like if, watched... if you're miserable watching it don't watch it because it should the be setup. Fun. <laughs> the setup conversation is something of like I've always said of like it, it's it's a lot of like what what you're kind of hinting at Freddie of like Marvel doesn't really hire directors because they're good directors they just hire them because they know that they can like pin them to make a movie that they want to make and it's kind of how I feel about Thor Ragnarok where it doesn't feel like a Taika movie it feels like like the first like hour feels like a Taika Waititi movie, but then the last like the third act really feels just Kevin Feige stepped in in the director's chair. It well, doesn't that's feel literally like a what happened to. And then, that's that's and what happened to with Nia DaCosta. Doctor Strange and, and well, Nia DaCosta in the Marvels. Essentially, they're they're hiring yeah. they're hiring all these like niche filmmakers to bring you know audiences to their movies. But when it comes to the editing room, they're like, okay, skirt. Get yeah. out of here. And, well, that was, and that was we've got it with, from here, you know? That was the thing with Doctor Strange 2 to bring it all back of the fact of, like, it was supposed to be Scott Derrickson who originally did Doctor Strange 1, who's also directed Sinister. And when they announced Doctor Strange 2 at Comic-Con, they were like, this is straight up going to be a horror movie because this dude directs horror movies. And everyone was like, fuck yeah, especially someone like me that likes horror movies. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. He left because of creative differences. Same thing with Edgar Wright with Ant-Man. And it's like creative differences in air quotes because it's like he just didn't want to conform to what Marvel wanted to do. And so who do they call? They call Sam Raimi because Sam Raimi needs money and he has nothing going on. He'll and take he knows a that he can make a movie. $10 million paycheck. And the fact of, like, he, they know that they can, like, do certain things with it. I think Doctor Strange 2 is an interesting movie because it's half a Sam Raimi movie and half a Marvel movie. And the reasons why people don't like it is because of those reasons. Because yeah. people don't like Sam Raimi and they don't like the Marvel stuff that they force in it. Yeah. That they're like, there's a lot of weird editing choices in this movie. And it's like, yeah, because it's Sam Raimi. And then they're like, there's a lot of weird, like future stuff movie for movies and it's like yeah because that's marvel and it's just like it, it, it's just crazy that like marvel does it. it's the same argument that i see on twitter where it's been seven movies at this point and no one's acknowledged the internal that is busting out of the the ocean 
in yeah, Eternals. Yeah, I know. No yeah, movie because, has acknowledged because that. Because what they want to do with the multiverse story is just forget, like, whatever's not working, they're just going to cut it out of the mm-hmm. of the story completely. And so that's one of those things that didn't work. And so we're just going to pretend like it didn't happen. Secret Invasion didn't work. They're just going to pretend like it didn't happen. And so that's an issue. And that's just an issue Crazy. with, like, too much planning and... I mean, well, bad planning and just too much, too much it's, content, it, honestly. Honestly, so. I think what it is, it's just, it's a boldness in saying like, we had, we had years of, we're going to put it out and people are going to watch it. And then they just planned for like four or five more years of that. And now they're realizing that people don't want to just go see your movies for the sake that they're seeing your movies. Yeah. And it's, and now, so now they're starting to realize like, oh shit, like people aren't going to see it's seen the every cracks. movie that we've seen. So when we do these big, these big build-up movies, people aren't going to know stuff. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, yeah, because you did too much. You did too much. That's too people much. Are, people are people That's are getting over much. it. Cam, what do you think about the state of the MCU? Uh, I've got very little thought. I do not watch any MCU. <laughs> he said, I, I do know. not think about the state of the MCU. <laughs> yeah, no. Cam, that it sounds like you're a DC guy. Time. What's your thoughts about DC? Oh, yeah. I, I am a uh, big into DC. Direct current. Yeah. Uh, ACDZ. Hey. That's my DC. Oh, there we go. Y'all ever heard Thunderstruck? Shout out to uh, Angus Young. Nice. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Oh, we'll be Young. on next week. With Jared Leto. <laughs> All right, um, let's wrap up our recently watched Seabear. What, what did you watch last week? Uh, so, because I'm still playing Spider-Man 2, for all you webheads out there, as Stan Lee would call them, uh, I am, as of this recording, I am, I think, three missions away from beating the game and pretty much platinuming the game, because I did pretty much uh, all the side stuff and everything. So I'm really close to beating it, so probably next episode I'll actually give my overall thoughts about the game and stuff like I did with the other ones but because of that uh, at one point I saw that this YouTube channel that I follow on YouTube was doing a watch party of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and I decided to join them on Twitch and so I rewatched Scott Pilgrim with uh, Twitch chat and everything uh, the YouTube channel called Razzle uh, they just do commentary videos of movies and stuff uh, you know, almost like uh, the same vein is pretty much it and all the other, you know, reaction videos. But it was cool. It was cool watching the movie for, you know, the quadrillionth time that people know me of Scott Pilgrim. Uh, but with like uh, Twitch chat and these people, it, it almost felt like a summer party again. It almost Aww. felt like how I saw it the first time with, with the group of a big group of friends and just like all unitedly being like this movie fucks. Like, like this movie <laughs> rocks and uh it was really it was really fun it also like reminded me of like oh yeah like at, also as of this recording tomorrow the anime comes out so it's like oh cool i finally rewatched it so i mean even though i was gonna rewatch it probably by my birthday and stuff but it was something of like oh cool like and now i don't have to think about that before the anime so that was that was something nice cool yeah uh, that's coming then, out as of recording that's coming out tomorrow so we're all yeah. very excited to watch the new Scott Pilgrim show and then on the, on the Netflixes. So I'm Scott sure we'll be talking Pilgrim. about that very yeah. soon. I'm sure once we all finish the show, we'll have a lot to say about it. So, yeah, yeah. we can get into it when we get into it. 
Yeah. And then other than that, uh, I'll save the, uh, one of them for our lead discussion to get into our discussion of our main show. But another thing I watched was called Supervan, the story of Vladimir on Peacock. This is a documentary, a short documentary. I think it's like 30 to 40 minutes on Peacock. That is about uh, the number one WWE super fan, Vladimir. It is so good that I cried like a baby. Watching oh, no. Um, it is. Uh, Don't mind those like, motorcycles outside, everybody. Uh, I'm sure you couldn't <laughs> hear it, but it's fine. <laughs> I don't know the audience or most people's relationship with WWE, but at a time, at a certain point, as a young boy, I watched a lot of WWE, got super into it until YouTube uh, decided to tell me that WWE is fake. And I'm like, what? It's fake? Oh, this is bullshit. You <laughs> just found out it was fake? Decided, <laughs> yeah, d- didn't know that it was fake, decided not to watch it. And then it's that full arc of boys going, actually, WWE is pretty cool and it has really good wrestling. Like Warner Horsehawks said on the Conan O'Brien podcast, WWE is the closest thing to like Shakespeare dramas. <laughs> just like oh Shakespeare my. plays. That, that, that happened. Uh, yeah. But digressing, the, the document approved. Yeah, if Herzog yes. likes it, I guess it's okay. He watches WrestleMania, and they were very shocked about that. <laughs> um, uh, but then, so so basically, the documentary is about Vladimir, who is this fan that has Vladimir. been notorious for being in the shots of WWE shows. So from I think it's the eighties. If you watched a WWE show, whether that be you know. Uh, WCW or whatever it was in the 80s all the way leading up to you know Monday Night Raw, ECW, SmackDown there would be this guy in the front row that looked like a big hulking dude, (laughs) almost like a Russian looking character named Vladimir and he was always there and he pretty much like the documentary shows was the number one fan. He is from Haiti. He uh, loves he loves his mother and when he was able to get his own money and stuff, Mama. he lived in New York. He would always go to WWE shows in Madison Square Garden. And at the time in the 80s specifically, or roughly around that time, a lot of the quote unquote pay-per-view events or the big events like WrestleMania or things like that would always be at Madison Square Garden. And so he was always there. And the lore of this guy was that there were so many people that thought that he was a friend of the wrestler. Because it's like, how is this guy always in the front row? Like, he must get, like, tickets from a wrestler or something. And then the other rumor was that he must be Vince McMahon, who is the CEO of WWE, Vince McMahon's body uh, uh, body coach, you know, like like health coach or something. Because the dude is, like, huge. Like, he is, like, like he looks like, like a wrestler as well. And it's none of those. He just happens to really like WWE and stuff. And so the documentary goes and just shows like how like, you know, WWE is nothing without their fans until it gets to the pandemic and the pandemic hits and there's no wrestling. And with Vladimir, he is super close with his mom. He is super close with his mother. His mother has an injury and she's very old and she has to go to a rehab center, a retirement home to, you know, recover from it. And that happened to also be an outbreak of COVID. And his mother dies and there's no wrestling. And 
he admits that he tried suicide at least three times during that time because there's it's wrestling is in his blood and that there's no life without wrestling. And it all culminates to him uh, getting flown out by WWE to go see WrestleMania in Tampa Bay uh, in 2021. And when they get to WrestleMania, he is awarded by Triple H, who is now the president. Well, the quote unquote president it's still Vince McMahon but like Triple H is now like the guy that runs WWE with also Stephanie McMahon presents him an award as the official and only uh, WWE super fan and it is the most heartwarming and just touching story about how wrestling and also just sports have this effect with people yeah that it isn't just WWE that this can happen just recently, like when we recorded last week's episode, we recorded it on a Wednesday because I went to the Chicago Bears game with my dad on Thursday night. And there is a guy, if you know Chicago lore, there is a guy that has season yes, tickets to the Chicago Bears <laughs> that dresses up like a bear. <laughs> he has like a full like bear, like bear hat. Like bears. Fur, fur, yeah, fur, fur, like uh like hand things and stuff. He has shoulder pads and like he, he is the bear. Guy. He's notoriously known as the bear guy. And when we were walking, we happened to walk past his section and he was going to the bathroom or getting a soda or something. And he kept getting stopped by because so many people were taking pictures. And it's the same thing with this documentary of super fan of Vlad, like appreciating, especially now at the time, whenever he goes to an event, people come up to him and be like, yo, I've seen you since I was a kid. Even wrestlers now that are in the WWE are like, I, like, I saw you like all the time like on TV. Like, I can't believe you're real. And it's this thing that this other person says in the documentary of like, there was also these other guys. Like, there was a Sylvester, uh, a Steven Seagal guy <laughs> that, that was referred to in WWE, where this is guy in front of ECW that just had a Steven Seagal, like, uh, goatee. And like, this other guy that was just long hair guy and it's just these guys that you would see on tv because before the internet like they just had these personalities because they were just always at the show and it's just these it's just this lore and like that and with super fan it's just really great that this legacy for this guy and especially for how much he loves wrestling like you really get to understand that this guy loves the wwe that like they they finally got to document his story and like at least like you can kind of get like a hint of like again like why at least with wwe like why this works it, it just reminded me again of like also like uh the movie like fighting with my family of like yeah like this is why people like wrestling like it's <laughs> cool like it's a cool thing like yes it's fake but like it's cool. Like, like it's a cool thing to like. Kayfabe with the WWE references. <laughs> I um I never watched wrestling growing up, but I definitely have heard so much in terms of like media about wrestling, like YouTube videos. Yeah, YouTube podcasts. I've a bunch of YouTube videos about wrestling. Yeah, even Why? just like late night talk show hosts. It's great. It's or whatever. People it's get like, really passionate about it. It is yeah. really. It is part of the culture, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. When wrestling's good, it's great. Yeah. Like it is like the it's best a story. story. Like, right now, right I now, I guess I prefer wrestling to boxing. Up. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, in in the world of wrestling, what just wrapped up is the Bloodline, which is with 
uh, Roman Reigns. And right, I think right now they're trying to get Blood into Cody line. Rhodes's. Yes, it's a big. It's one of the best storylines that has happened in the WWE in a long time, and it's something that got a lot of people into WWE. There's two with that. There's now they're doing War Games, which is in Chicago, coming this Thanksgiving with Survivor Series, <laughs> uh, and that's like a whole thing with uh, Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio and stuff. But like oh, yeah. all the storylines that they're Shout doing right now Mysterio. are pretty, pretty good. Okay. Shout out to right. Roman Wrestling Pod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is now a WWE pod. You're the only yeah. wrestling podcast on the internet. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> Stone Cold said so. But That's right. to finally get into the last thing I watched, I watched Deer Hunter. Uh, yeah. Another Vietnam movie. Uh, to quickly get passed into this so that we can finally get into our tots, our topic God, of the show. Finally. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, it's gonna be Deer a long Hunter yet. is something that got it's always Deer Hunter that got recommended yeah. to me by my by my dad because when he heard about us doing Vietnam Month, I told him about the movies that we're watching and stuff and the movies that I'm watching. He's like, you know, you should really watch Deer Hunter. I really like Deer Hunter. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I probably should watch that. So I watched it before the Bears game. And I was very disappointed with this movie. <laughs> it is very long. It is three hours. And it takes an hour before they get to Vietnam. <laughs> before the main conflict of the movie. Yeah. There is a whole hour of a wedding that happens. And unlike The Godfather, where that wedding is also pretty long for the beginning, at least you start to see the dynamics and like character dynamics of what's happening with yeah. the godfather the wedding with is very deer hunter, important <laughs> yes with deer hunter it is just hey this guy's getting married and the next day they're going to vietnam so it's just like they're throwing a party sure. there's no reason for them to make it an hour there's subtle scenes where it's like oh like they do the tradition of the wedding where they drink you know wine out of the same glass and if they spill it if they don't spill a drop like they'll have like you know like they'll have internal good luck for the rest of eternity and two drops land on the the wife's dress and it just happens to be that that guy gets his legs blown off in vietnam and i noticed noticed that but like other than that like it's just very boring very long even when they get to vietnam it's not as interesting and not as engaging as something like platoon where it really like like pretty much I feel like with all of my with this month, I feel like Platoon is the best example of a Vietnam movie. Ooh, and good wreck, good wreck, good wreck. Yes, uh, Freddie, do and you it's have something a cool... where I'm gonna bring it up with our discussion. So with that, Freddie, do you have let's a cool move on to our um, discussion. transition? <laughs> oh no! <Yeah. laughs> oh no! Well, Technical difficulties. We're being assisted uh, yeah. by, uh, our, made possible by our doggo friend, my dog Wilson. Okay, dog. There we go. <laughs> All right, cool transition um, coming do, up. Do I have a? Cool do we have a cool can transition into segue. tots, 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 tots? Well, you know, tots, tots, ooh, tots, tots, tots. Uh, right off the top no, of the dome. No pressure. Uh, y'all <laughs> ever seen Apocalypse Now? Oh, <laughs> did not. See that? that would be speaking of Vietnam, speaking of Vietnam, speaking of Vietnam, <laughs> ever seen this one? Yeah. Oh my god! Hey, have any of you ever seen it, Apocalypse Now? You know, I've I've Another hunted deer, but maybe? I've never surfed. Does that work? <laughs> you don't swim. 
He don't serve. No. Freddie, have you seen Apocalypse Now? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. You speaking. Are we going to talk about Apocalypse Now? <laughs> Holy uh, shit. I did. I did see Apocalypse Connor, Now. have you seen Apocalypse Now? Uh, just recently. Okay. First time. Oh, that's and perfect. I, and Cameron, me too. have you seen yeah, Apocalypse Now? Yeah, believe it or not. I saw it as well. That's actually the only reason Cameron is here. Hello. Because he saw the movie. Crazy. And uh, honestly... Honestly. Without getting too into it, I don't Cameron, deserve to be on the podcast. Cameron has talked about this movie since watching it more than he's talked about any movie we've really watched together. And I was like, hey, if you want to talk about it so much, get on the podcast, guy. Come on. So I said, do you want to join us for our Apocalypse Now conversation? And he said, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's why okay. he's here. Let's so here, here we go. Uh, so we kind of just like we talk about like Redford. we kind of talk about topics mm-hmm. that we all want to talk about, and then we kind of bounce off of those topics. Well, bounce them off me. Um, and so if you want to add anything that hasn't been talked about, there will be a time to do that. Okay. But yeah, I will refrain from adding anything. Not that's not what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> that's yes. literally not what I'm saying. But, Honestly, though, how about I you do, just step outside for a sec? Yeah. With the with the couple things that you have said about Apocalypse Now, I do think it. I'm excited about it. I'm interested because I think you have. You have a very you're different not, perspective. Yeah, you're not as much of a movie person as the three of us, so your perspective is very much. It's it's far more objective. Yeah. Of the film we'll as like a yeah. like a piece of art more than just like oh this is like another movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, like so you're comparing it, it in a more He'll general yeah. than, than simply like comparing it to other movies. For sure. Um, so Freddie and Cameron and I went to the Redford again. We went to the Redford to see this. I will say it was a much different experience oh, than the thing. Brag. Um, it was Shout a, out to the Redford. It was a much do it, do it. Freddie's getting comfy. He's putting his feet up on Honestly, our stools. Get get comfy. Let's do it. Yeah, we're doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Cameron and Freddie are doing right toesies right now. Um, don't get too comfy, hey, Freddie. Yeah. Don't take off your pants. <laughs> Freddie, get your okay. toes off. Shout of out man. to Freddie. Those that <laughs> aren't watching on, on YouTube, Freddie does not have clothes on. <laughs> I am completely naked. Video podcast on YouTube, eighteen plus only. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> this uh, is how he says he find us on OnlyFans. Completely naked. Um, oh also, God. let the record show if you're not watching on video. I am wearing a no one's full watching tuxedo. this on video. No one's watching this full tuxedo. Full tuxedo. I have <laughs> boots on. I have for audio. My hair is done very Emma, well. Emma except for a beautiful dress on. You're not wearing <laughs> yes. socks because we have toes interlocked. Of course, yes, our toes are evening clutching. Gown. Yes, yeah. Cool. Emma, Emma's evening gown. Yeah, I'm yeah. in an evening gown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we saw this movie at Redford, and it was a very different Still experience humble, right? than when we went to the thing. Because I will say, like, okay, so just to just to give it a comparison for those of you that listened to our episode about the thing, we talked a lot about our experience at the Redford, kind of like shaping our opinion of the movie a little bit because we had such a damn good time. Yeah, we were just like clapping and cheering and like laughing with the audience, and we just had a grand old time. Um, the Apocalypse Now is the farthest thing from a fun movie. Yeah. It is so not fun at all. We did not have a good time. We did not have a good time. 
I, we, <laughs> none of us had a good time. I, yeah. I, I don't want to put that on you, Freddie, but Cameron and I have talked about this movie together often. And mm. uh, since we've watched it a week ago and we're it, it was not a, it was not that's not a I'm not saying like that makes the film bad. I'm just saying we it's did a, not a, have yeah. a good time when you're coming off of the last experience being the thing where like everybody is like everybody's on the same page. Everybody's really excited about this movie. And it's a really like, yeah, it's just a it's a fun movie. To it is watch, very fun. Yeah. And it's entertaining. Mm hmm. Um, whereas Apocalypse Now Apocalypse is, Now is like you, you it's demoralizing. Apocalypse Now is an emo, emotional roller coaster of a movie, and it's it is mentally taxing. Yeah, watching it mentally it and emotionally so, taxing. It's, it's and I don't a, want a to subject but yeah and so that i don't want to deter anybody from watching this movie because i don't think that that's my intention i'm just letting you know that like you probably should make sure you're in a good mental state uh and that you're kind of prepared to sit through you know two and a half to three hours of like literal hell um so yeah that's just yeah that's just kind of my uh sentiment about this film because all four of us, I think, watched this movie for the first time. I don't. I don't think any of us had seen this film before we watched it for this podcast, and so I think we didn't really know what we were getting into. Uh, but this movie is rough. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and even even in conversation with like Kong Skull Island, like that's not a very serious movie. Like I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not it's not, you know, it's it's got jokes. It's it's lighthearted. And even with Full Metal Buster. Jacket, it's, um, you know, something that we watched last talked about last week. Like, yeah, it's pretty terrible. There are I mean, you can't avoid some of the terrible things. But at the same time, it's also a satire. And so there's that kind of like, anyway, so that's kind of what Francis Ford Coppola set out to make the most realistic portrayal of Vietnam that he possibly could. And there isn't, you can't have that be your objective and then not have the movie be like, you know, an emotional, have like a really, you know, like almost a negative a visceral reaction to it. Yeah, yeah it's like it's not the war in vietnam was not you know fun fun and interactive no like it sure was, was it so, was hell on earth yeah. actually so did you want to say something about that yeah okay you were just kind of like leaning like you wanted no, to say I, something but yeah i will say the we'll, horror we'll get yeah. into it the yeah i think the big thing was i was honestly shocked at where they chose to put the intermission because they do an intermission at the Redford for every movie. They put one right in the middle. And where they chose to put it in Apocalypse Now was like the craziest place for them to stop the movie we'll, and be like, We'll, we'll talk mingle. about where it was, Connor, because you'll yeah. probably think it's com- not comical, but pretty but crazy. You also saw a different version than I did. I did. We yeah, did see a different it, version. You, you'll see. You'll and I honestly don't know what's different about yeah, our version exactly. to yeah, your so version. What, what I don't know. did you watch? He watched the theatrical cut, right? I have the 4K Apocalypse Now, like we talked about last week, me and Joel. I have the 4K, like, Lionsgate version that has Apocalypse Now, the original cut, Apocalypse Now, 
Redux and Apocalypse Now, the final cut. Okay. And so I we watched Final Cut. For I thought when Emma said we're watching Apocalypse Now and they're showing it at the Redford, I'm like, well, oh, they're going to show the original cut because mm. it's the Redford. They're probably going to show like a 35 millimeter, you know, maybe like original film or whatever. It's probably going to be the original cut. So I watched the original cut because also the I think it's Redux is Killers of the Flower Moonlight. It yeah. is three hours and 30 minutes. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm you like, watched, actually, so you didn't no. watch that one. Good. I'm glad you didn't watch that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm like, Jesus I'm like, Christ. I do not want to watch that long of a movie, especially because, like, audi- our audience knows, I really don't, like, I'm kind of have a mixed feelings about Mr. Coppola because of our discussion about The Godfather. So it's something of like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. And also (laughs) when it comes, when it comes to director's cuts and things, I'd like to see the original first before I watch like the ultimate edition or like that stuff. Unless it is like, I've been told hands down, this is the one, i.e. like Blade Blade Runner. Runner. Where it's like, yeah, yes, like Blade Runner. Like, there's, there's obviously like a couple others, but like with Apocalypse Now, like I, no one told me like, well, if you're gonna watch it, like you gotta watch, you know, Redux or you gotta watch the final cut. Like, no one said that, and it wasn't until I started looking at reviews on Letterbox when I was halfway, you know, through the movie and stuff, I saw people posting on Letterboxd, the people I follow, like critics and stuff, they're like, the final cut is like the best cut. And I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, I might have... <laughs> Honestly, though, I think, it'll, I think it's a good might've... thing. I think it'll be interesting to see yeah. what things What's you different. saw in the theatrical one versus what we saw yeah. in the final cut. Exactly. I, and so, I, I'm, and yeah, so it, I'm wondering what we'll And, and that's, why, that's why I didn't, like, say anything when Emma posted about it in the chat of, like, you know, like, she asked, like, how how long was the, the Brando stuff? And I said, I don't know, like, 30 to 45 minutes. And we kind of left it at that because yeah. it seemed like we we're kind of on the same page of, yeah. like, all right, this will be an interesting discussion of, like, what I saw versus what you saw. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> versus instead of Emma saying, like, well, you should watch the version that we saw. And it's like, ah, so be like yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I also uh, at least want to note that the person that opened the show at was uh, so annoying. Well, yeah. <laughs> he annoyed that me. That aside. He annoyed me uh, more than he annoyed them, I think. Um, he, he said that he feels like Coppola re-released the movie over and over because he was like, he had sole rights to it or whatever. Yeah. He, he had like personally financed. Yeah. It he did this. He made this movie outside of the studio system. He paid for it pretty much through his own funds as well as other investors, but mostly he did not rely on a studio to make this. So he does not need studio permission for a final cut of this movie. He doesn't need studio permission for distribution. He doesn't need studio permission to re-release it. So he's kind of just like on his own. It's kind of, it feels like an art project. Yes. But also like every time you re-release it, people are going to buy that. Yeah. And like, there's, I, I, (sighs) I think like, yeah, good for him. Yeah. Like, yeah, you own, like, your masters or whatever. That's cool. Right, right, right. Exactly. Like the Taylor Swift stuff. You own your masters. Whatever. (laughs) He's like, well, I made this one for me. Yeah. So, Um, I really... Did you want to say something about that? Oh, I was just... I mean, I was just going to do, like, a brief little synopsis unless there was something... Well, I was going to do that, actually. Um, So, for those... It's her pick, Freddie. Calm uh, down. Okay, okay, okay. We could hear them both. Well, I was going to do the synopsis in relationship to um, 
its origin. So Apocalypse Now is actually based on a book called Heart of Darkness by a Polish-English novelist, Joseph Conrad. So the, the plot of the book is a sailor, Charles Marlowe, um, t- tells his story of an assignment as a steamer captain. So he's on a boat, just like Captain Willard is in the movie. But it's a, it's a Belgian company in the African interior. Um, the, Congo. Yes. Uh, so it's widely regarded as a critique of European colonial rule in Africa. Um, and so there's, there's also a character named Kurtz in the book that he is assigned to go and investigate and terminate because he has gone rogue and he has basically kind of become this cult leader. And that's basically what happens in um, Apocalypse Now. We have Captain Willard, played by Martin Sheen, who commands a boat of four sailors that go up the I don't I don't know what river it is specifically but it's it's going up the river through Vietnam and he is assigned to terminate Kurtz played by Brando because Kurtz has basically taken over a uh, a village of peoples in Cambodia which is crazy that's another crazy thing that we can talk about I think Cameron might want to talk about that, but um, yeah, it, I just think it was crazy that Cambodia was even a part of this movie because that's a whole different part of Vietnam. It's not even it's not a part of the war. It's a whole different part of the war, anyway. Um, and so we we basically spend this movie with Captain Willard on his journey up the river with these boys in the boat. Uh, traveling up to find Kurtz and kill him. Um, So I just want to talk about how this movie made me feel. And that feeling was a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And this movie felt like a horror film in a lot of ways. And I think once we get past the... um, the helicopter scene, which is very iconic with Robert Duvall. And once we get past that part of the film, I think that's when it gets into this feeling of fear and anxiety. Like, I think, I think it first happens when like we get a, we get a traditional horror jump scare with that tiger. Oh yes. And they, 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 they're just like, trying to find mangoes in the forest and there's a fucking tiger by the way real tiger yeah um which (laughs) fucking nuts um this movie was the way it's made is crazy but we have a traditional jump scare and it's like uh as soon as that happens it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie like as willard and the crew go up the river it just gets worse and worse and worse and I'll tell you right now, Connor, where the intermission was. It was right after they killed that boat of people and stole their puppy. Um, and then it just like cut. Nice. And I was like, God. 
<laughs> so they're like, you want to go get some more fucking popcorn? I guess we'll go get some popcorn. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's um, so... That's so funny, because, like, I... Like I said, like, like, one of the best things I did this year was me and Tasha went to go see the Batman in concert, where they played... A, a live uh, orchestra played the Batman score while the movie played. Uh, the Robert Pattinson movie. And they're in a mission for that so that, you know, the people can, you know, like rest from playing music and stuff was uh, right after the Batmobile scene. So, like, it's like the penultimate, like, the music's kicking, like, Batman just caught the penguin, like, it's like mic drop moment, like, as soon as that Chiaquino score, like, swells up, like, the, 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 the screen went black, everyone stood up, clapped, and it was like, fuck yeah, and it was like 15 minute intermission, it was like, fuck yeah, and I can only imagine the same <laughs> thing happened with you back. guys, where it's like, yeah, they stole that puppy, let's go! Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it was quite the opposite, and I know you're making a joke. But like it went yeah. to intermission and I was like, I could not finish the rest of this movie. <laughs> like yeah. I could not go back and watch this. I don't know that I want to see this second because half. Because then, because then it just gets worse from there. Like that was rough, and it just continues to get worse. Where there, they get to the they get to the the stage with the with the girls, yeah. the, the, the the Playboy sirens, bunnies, yeah. and. As soon as I mean, as soon as I saw women, I was like, "Nope, this is bad. This, this is, is bad. A, not a good place. This for is bad. A woman. Like a woman yeah. should not be here. Like, <laughs> no, you um, are in danger. You are in very much danger, uh, especially when you're wearing almost nothing and you're shaking your tits and your ass. Like that is not a place to do that. Like those, these men are fucked in the head and they haven't seen a woman in how who knows how long. Like." That is not where you should be. I was nervous through that whole scene. <laughs> and, and then they get to that scene with the with the with the the troop that's essentially like been abandoned. Yeah. Oh my god. That just Yeah. That just There is no the troop with no CO. CO. The, the troop with no CO and there and it's and it's all they're all black they're all black men. And it reminded me a lot of to five bloods which we oh, watched yeah. spike lee film that came out in 2020 um which i actually kind of thought about doing to five bloods as my thought, vietnam november well. pick yeah. um but i went with apocalypse now because i had never seen it um vietnam vember vietnam vember yes we have <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard him yet. Yeah, you're not listening. Cameron's not listening to our That's podcast. True. I listen to the pod. <laughs> I I ring the bell every These week. Lies. I'm Delicious. a big subscriber. And hey, everybody, click that bell. Ring the bell. Subscribe. <laughs> Tell your friends. Comment. No, that, like, comment. But that also, for scene... audience members that maybe have not seen the movie and also don't know too much military lingo, CEO equals commanding officer. Commanding officer, yes. But that scene was just so hard to watch because they, well, I mean, Martin Sheen's like, who's, do, do you know who's in charge? And the guy just says, yeah. And, just <laughs> and then just off. walks away. Yeah. And I'm just like, Jesus, this is so harrowing. So completely harrowing. And they're just shooting at sounds 
Yeah. And just like, I just, uh, and the lighting in that scene, like it just goes completely dark, but there's like that revolving light. And then it just shows the light on their faces and it's pitch black. I'm telling you, I felt like I was in a horror movie. Like I, I was yeah. just like, what is about to happen? Um, and really it's just kind of like this, this trip for Willard up the river is literally a descent into hell. Um, yeah. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And just complete madness. Just madness. And <laughs> it made me so anxious throughout the entire thing. And I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> it's just, I just don't think I was expecting it to be that severe. Um, so yeah, that, that was my experience with that. I don't know if y'all have anything similar to that experience. I mean, you really only referenced the first half. I know that's kind of just, that's before he gets to Kurtz and yeah, the rest of that I is mean. just fucked yeah. up. That's what I mean. That, that, mm-hmm. I mean, that is essentially hell. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I almost don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like, yeah. don't even want to bring it up because <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> well, I think that it's was total like, depravity. Yeah, yeah, I think that it was interesting when they did in in the Hearts of Darkness documentary when they met when they mentioned they're like it's a cross. This movie is a cross between Heart of Darkness, but also at the same time, it's like the Odyssey. Yeah, where it is. Just yeah, they this did talk journey, about that. Yeah, yeah, that gets more and more intense the further along it goes and like clearly like the women are the sirens yep yeah yeah and it's like changing the cyclops yeah yeah exactly and he is you're like watching this character change and it's not like he started out in a good place the opening scenes of the movie they establish him as fucked up in the beginning (laughs) which i did i really like doesn't take much yeah i really i really love the way that they show his like ptsd in those opening scenes with those with the montages with like the mix of diegetic sounds with the fan it's like the fan spinning but But you're you're hearing hearing helicopters Yeah, it's very um, good. <laughs> the dissolve sequences, the dissolve mine. cutting, like where yeah. you're seeing like half of it is his face and half of it is the the trees, the palm trees, and the doors. There are so many of those shots <laughs> yeah. where it's like layers <sighs> of film on top of each other. <sighs> it really is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to ignore that those kinds of things, those choices. Mm-hmm. They're very purposeful. Yeah. Well, I think they they're almost lot. iconic because we've seen them recreated yeah. probably in reference to this movie. I mean, I mean, how many times have we seen, I mean, just in Kong, Skull Island. I mean, there are so many references to this movie in that movie, uh, especially with the helicopter sequence and the music blaring and mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, Samuel L. Jackson is... Is I love the smell of napalm in the morning. You know, like how many times? Yeah, yeah. How many times have you heard that referenced in Ugh. another film Everything. or whatever? Yeah. So that's something else I wanted to talk about. So I guess since we brought it up, I'll bring it up right now. Cultural I, impact. Yeah, the cultural impact of this film. The way that I've heard this movie talked to me about is like, oh, Apocalypse Now is like awesome. It's an awesome movie. Like. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. And it's like, okay, so then I watched it and I'm sorry, but it makes me feel like everybody who watched that movie has just forgotten about everything that happened 
after napalm guy because you just want to pretend like the movie is this like gung-ho you know airborne cool robert duvall character and it's like badass people just blowing up the jungle and just forget about the rest of the movie because i'm that's not what the movie is about napalm guy is not what the movie's about it's it's an important figure it says something about the war and it says something about yeah. depravity but i just kind of feel like people have mis not misinterpreted but we we've, <laughs> we've talked about this a lot we talked about it with full metal jacket um, that's what I was just about to say. I'm like, it's just what I brought up last week with yeah. Ronald Jacket. It's it's not even just like people like it's not even like they're. It, it's just because it's been like what Cameron was saying. Like it's just been referenced and like talked about so much that like people just misinterpret it. Like with Full Metal Jacket, like everyone just thinks that the first like hour is a comedy because of the the sergeant. It's like that's not the point. No. Like that's not that's not how you're supposed to feel. And then right. same thing with like what you brought up with last week of Full Metal Jacket of like how you didn't appreciate the prostitutes and yeah. stuff. But the biggest well, thing it's not the prostitution like, I have a problem with. I am pro well, I know. sex work. I have a problem no, 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 no. with I, the I, interpretation yes, I of Korean that. people. <laughs> so yes. I know. That's what I wasn't saying. What I was saying was it's <laughs> I mean, like Vietnamese was last week. Vietnamese people. Vietnamese people. Sorry, Connor. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. The thing I was bringing up was that the thing that always gets referenced with those scenes is the miso horny yeah Every, anyone that says miso it was literally until because that, that was the first time i saw full metal jacket i was like oh this is what it's from literally I'm it's like, literally crazy it's literally like, that in is, a sir mix a lot song Miso that are just like just in like i've heard it so many times from people being like oh yeah like you make me so horny yeah. and like you know it's jokes and it's like the fact that like it that's is not a joke from this like <laughs> yeah it's from not yeah. a joke movie and also like this a, another depressing movie that's like that's crazy and it's yeah it's the same thing with this of like the i love the smell of napalm in the morning of like it is referenced so many times but like again like it is yeah not, like, and it's not, like i can appreciate people who say who reference i love the smell of napalm in the morning if you can also reference marlon brando saying the horror can you also talk about that can you also talk about how this movie is not pro-war at all it's not um it's not a glorification of these helicopter pilots that blow up the jungle well, yeah. it's it's because well, I think it's also because of the thing that I forgot to bring up with Full Metal Jacket of like why I think it gets misinterpreted is the same reason of like people like liking Top Gun, or, like movies movies like that. Where Don't it's get like, me started on Top Gun. But like you, you understand what I'm saying? Where it's like because like in Hearts of Darkness, like Coppola admits that he's like I'm making like he's he's like I'm making an art film, like I'm making a film. Like, I'm not making a movie. I'm making a film. But he's like it's got drama, it's got action, like it's got everything. Like this is the 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 most movie movie that you will ever see. And I think it's because of like that mindset of like Coppola, where it has like these explosions, like these big things, like even what you're talking about of like them going to that. Place place where these people don't have a ceo it's that bridge getting exploding and like all these like explosions and stuff that are happening like the visuals are so crazy and so epic in scale that it's like people just forget about like what's happening it's the same thing with like like it's the same thing with top gun of like 
Top Gun has this story, like both Top Guns, Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, where it's this story where it makes it, it romanticizes of like, it wouldn't it be cool to be in the Air Force? And then it's that thing of most critics talk about of like, yeah, until people get to the Air Force or specifically Literally. the Top Gun program and realize how fucking hard it is and also like Not how just hard, but how terrible miserable it is. It is. Yeah. That was <laughs> yeah. like my biggest like, critique it's... with Top Gun is like, don't make this seem look don't make this look cool because how many teenage boys are gonna sign up for the fucking military just to go kill children like i i don't say to michael bay it's the and and that's like a topic of um war movies in general and it's like where's the line between glorifying it and critiquing it and can you do it can you even critique it if you're showing it so i just i think i think oh my Okay. I think that, honestly, I think the line for Apocalypse Now is watching the rest of the movie. Literally. Because, like, that that whole segment is crucial to, like, the, the core of this movie where, you know, you're, it's almost, like, over the course of this movie, it becomes this, it becomes this dissection of, like, Vietnam as a whole where you know like the first thing he's interacting with is this like the the part that every the part that everybody likes the part that everybody wants to talk about the flying around in helicopters and just shooting stuff blaring flight of the Valkyries and then wanting to surf in the middle of a war right right and then you the further he goes into this trip it's like you are physically moving further into Vietnam where it is like okay now we have like just this group of people that have been steeped in nothing but depravity and you're like oh there's well, literally, we'll entertain them we'll send some girls severed out heads yeah. on the ground and it's like well and then they're, all of a sudden it's like oh my god why did they rush the stage it's like did you not just hear you just said they're like steeped in depravity because they've been exposed to this war that we just saw what it looks like from the quote-unquote outside imagine how they're dealing with that ago. mentally when there is no such thing as a mental health yeah. Uh, like workers in the army. Yeah. And then it's like you get further further into the Vietnam even more. And then it's like, oh, you would just have groups of people that have no idea what's going on. And it is just like, all I know is I don't want to die. <laughs> and so I will yeah. shoot at anything yep. that I don't know what it is. Yep. And then you get like further in it. You got people that have just completely They're like lost. disappeared so... within it. And it's yeah. like, I don't. I am broken as a person. I don't understand who I am anymore. I don't understand what anything. It's almost is like anymore. they're not humans anymore yeah. at all. Especially when you, when when the when the boat gets to, and freaking what's his name? Um, the once they get there, what's his name is the only one there. The navy. Um, guy. his name is Lance. The 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 surfer boy. Lance. Yeah. He's like pretty much the only one left alive with with Willard and he's just I mean he's on drugs. Yeah. But like he's just going full into the cult. <laughs> like it does not take him any convincing to just go along with whatever they're doing. He's like yeah. this is better than my other option. Exactly. Yeah, he's like my, I've seen all of the shit. Up my other now. option is dying, so yeah. I might as well just yeah. Yeah. Do do this. Um 
And but at the and at the same time, it's like he doesn't. He still like really doesn't understand why they're there. No. Like and so it's just like he's too high. What, he what else should I be that. doing? Mm-hmm. But it's like he's obviously like Willard's not telling anybody anything. He yeah. starts to tell them stuff eventually to make sure that they don't abandon the mission. Mm-hmm. But he still isn't giving them all the information about what's going on there. So is it yeah. is it all that surprising that it's like this kid sees all of this shit and then gets to what is quote unquote the end goal and just takes it at face value is like I mean I guess I just am gonna live here until somebody tells me not to anymore. Yeah. So And literally at the end Willard like grabs him. Yeah. Literally has to grab pulls him, him, pulls him away and he's like, We're leaving. Yeah. Um because he would have stayed there unless Willard was like if Willard was gonna stay there, he was gonna stay there. Yeah. Um totally totally screwed up movie. <laughs> Totally screwed totally up. Fucked. Totally fucked. Um, so, yeah, I already kind of talked about the depravity and the way that the boat kind of mirrors, like, dissension. Um, and I guess the only other thing that I really just wanted to talk about was this dilemma I have with looking at the movie as an art form and looking at the making of the movie as unethical. like for real because um we 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 the three of us meaning myself connor and freddie watched hearts of darkness which is eleanor coppola's francis ford coppola's wife her her film which is basically the behind the scenes of making of this movie and they were there for a long time. They had like 280 principal filming days, which is nuts because that's that's not just days of the year. That's pr- that's filming days. Like yeah. they're not filming every day. So they were there for years. And he had his family there. Mm-hmm. He had baby Sophia there. She was four years old, and his other two children. Um, and um. So they are in the Philippines, and meanwhile, Philippines is going through their own war. Yep. And um, not only that, but this is this is shot on film, and it's and it's not something that you can you know edit or put CGI in. That's not really a thing in nineteen in the nineteen seventies. And they're blowing up the jungle like for real, for real, for real. But my biggest thing with this unethical question is the bu- the buffalo. The buffalo. Yeah. Connor, did you know that that it was was a, that in your cut? Did you know that did was the buffalo in your cut? Yeah. Did you know that was real? Yeah. Okay. I hated that. Absolutely <laughs> hated that. Absolutely. There was no cuz I also watch all of the credits. There was no there was no animal thing at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, where they say no definitely animals were animals harmed in the making. No, definitely lots animal of harms. animals that were harmed yeah. in the making of this movie. In fact... Also, correction, it wasn't Coppola's uh, documentary, by the way. She just happened to record all of that at that time. It's uh, the people that made the 1991 Hearts of Darkness, Sick Filmmakers Apocalypse, is Fax Bar, George, oh, okay. Hillican Looper... And then it's just documentary footage by Eleanor Coppola. Right, and her right, diary right. Entries, and her diary entries of that time. Okay, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, yeah, it's not her movie. Yeah. 
they used her food footage and they interviewed yes. her. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that this wasn't like it would because it almost sounds like a hit piece on Coldplay. You know what I mean? Like she did this to be like, gotcha, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which would you did? Yeah. yeah but it was the, just like she she admits in the documentary, like she just did this because like Coldplay was like, get like basically like he didn't want to be away from his family so he's like here like give the wife something to do while she's here so it's like might as well film stuff (laughs) sure um but yeah so i didn't know that the water buffalo was real uh I just assumed it because it's from the it's from the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like a really unethical thing to do um, to put that on film and release that to the public. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> um, it's beca- crazy that we're talking about this in twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's twenty twenty three, and I just found this out, and, right. and I get that. <laughs> like, I get that people have been talking about this for you know forty five years, but. I don't think that's something that's not the craziest to, part about the documentary. <laughs> I don't think that that is something to subject general audiences to. It, well, it wasn't really IMO. G. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I get. I know what you're saying. <laughs> All I mean is that's not really what general audiences mean when I say that. I just mean like the general public, and uh. Yeah, I will say I was unable to watch a lot of that. Um, but there's like, there's this, di- there's a difference. I'm not. I, I don't guess, know that that movie is released to the general public all that much. Like, that was a very special showing that we went to. That being yeah, said. but yeah. the theatrical cut had the buffalo in it. Sure. I think all the cuts have the buffalo. Like, that's definitely like a. That's definitely like a crucial part to the way that that scene is put together. Yeah, because it is like a well, it's cross cutting between yeah between Willard killing, killing Kurt mm-hmm. and the people ceremoniously killing this animal, sacrificing yeah. sacrificing this animal. This animal. Um, and I just you know you're not actually killing Marlon Brando, you know mm-hmm. he didn't actually he didn't die, die you know. Um, but I don't particularly like to watch anything die IRL. I don't. Um, or, or I guess on film. Um, yeah. Not to say that I haven't seen it. Not to say that I won't be seeing it soon. Because <laughs> there's a movie that we're going to talk about next week. And I'm very aware. Um, but, like, I'm just... Uh, yeah. So I think so I think this conversation kind of leads me to my to this point that you kind of talked about Cameron, which is um I do think I do think that Francis Ford Coppola is trying to make a point with this. He's trying to make a point with with this and the puppy. Mm-hmm. Because both times um as soon as that puppy got on the boat, I was like, "No. No. Don't don't take that puppy on that boat. Just don't." Yeah. And I have to ask myself, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to cry on this podcast. I have to ask myself, like, do I care more about this puppy than I do about the human beings on the boat? Um, but, like, Lance does that, too. When uh, Mr. Clean dies. Yeah. 
Um, when Mr. Clean gets shot in the arrow, he's not he's not like really giving the time of day to his comrade that just got arrowed in the heart. He's like, we got to go back and get the dog. You know, yeah. like he says that too. And so, I don't know. I think Coppola's trying to like test you a little bit. Like, yeah. well, one, <laughs> um, that puppy is innocent and that puppy didn't kill innocent people because they were scared. Um, and that puppy isn't at war with anybody. But also that puppy is, you know, not a human. And the same could be said for the water buffalo, I guess. But it's like, <sighs> am I more, am I more, um, I guess, uh, appalled by this animal getting killed in a real sacrificial ceremony by these people? Or am I appalled, more appalled by the Vietnam War? What appalls yeah. me more, you know? No, I do think that's a very, I do think that's a very valid point. Um, and that's my dilemma. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's more appalling? And I think it's all very appalling. But I don't. Yeah. What were you gonna say? No, I mean, I, I do think it's all very appalling. Is <laughs> a, probably a, honestly a great tagline for apocalypse now. It's pretty. Apocalypse it's now, pretty it's appalling. All very appalling. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it is definitely like I have um that's something that I've talked about quite a bit as far as like animals in in movies go. This is a little bit different because it is like, you know, it is a, a live animal death that's in this movie and you know, they do talk <laughs> about crazy. it being it's not like it's so it's one of those things where they didn't they didn't necessarily kill this animal specifically to shoot this movie no, they, but they were they shooting were this movie anyway. when yeah. this animal was being sacrificed and then Francis Ford Coppola made the decision to film it and then put it in the movie. So there's like a there's like an ethical question there, but in general I do think the role that animals play in movies is very fascinating to me yeah. because we do watch a lot of movies that show a lot of and discuss a lot of you know intense topics and I don't know there's just a, there's a lot of there's a lot of like drawing the lines at animals yeah. and that's something where for me personally I'm like I'm coming from a background of like we had you know decades of Hollywood where all they cared about were killing Indians on camera and like nobody really batted an eye at that. So like I'm probably <laughs> probably not the best person to be like super like I guess I don't I'm know. Also like, I'm also appalled by that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, but because it's Love so it's like I'm not somebody that. You know, this is a little bit different, but in general, when it's like, oh, like somebody has a somebody has a pet, like, is this pet gonna die? I'm like, that's not necessarily like the that's not like the biggest deal breaker for me. Where like I've had other friends where they're like, I literally won't watch this movie if I find out that there's a dog and the dog dies in it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. that's not me, just because like I've People seen don't far watch more Rick. like far more appalling things be portrayed, and like nobody thinks anything of it because you know, yeah, they're 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 human beings, and they're human beings that we've gone very long periods of time not giving a shit about. So, very true. Like, and the Vietnam, the Vietnam yeah. people too. 
No, I I think I have. I mean, I gave the thing ten out of ten. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not one of those people that's not going to watch something. Yeah. If the dog dies. I'm not saying that you are, but, but I, I do, do think it is. But I like, do. I am the person that looks up. Does the dog die? Yeah. Because I want to. I want to be prepared for it a little yeah. bit. Um, but yeah. it, it is interesting because it puts it because of like how you are with things like that. It, this movie specifically definitely puts you in like oh, me the up. most extreme <laughs> version of that dilemma that you could have. Yeah. It it really messed with me a lot. Well, it's because it's Coppola's doing the thing that. Other because Coppola is making this. There's so many other Vietnam movies that have already come out. And yeah. The thing is, is like the overarching thing about it that he's making that like I got out of it. I, I'm a little like I'm a little less on this movie than you guys are. I, I really did not care, like. I really did not have a good time with this movie. Yeah, and I me. think that. <laughs> Well, like, like you guys are like, yeah, it's a very depressing movie, but I think that's to the movie's like detriment. Okay, that I don't like, like I don't think that this is a masterpiece and and stuff. Fair. But with it, it's like I understand what Coppola's doing with the dog scene. Like you said, when Mister Clean dies, mm-hmm. it's the fact that like these these humans are in war. It's the thing that we see with World War Two movies, where it's like the 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 opening with Saving Private Ryan. Where they're storming uh, the D-Day scene, where it's just them going past bodies and bodies of people just getting shot, and they don't even flip. Like Tom Hanks is like, "We gotta go forward. Like there's no going back. <laughs> like, yeah. like there's just an ocean going back." And with Mister Clean, it's just another guy, and it goes back to Platoon, where in Platoon, Charlie Sheen says that. Uh, Charlie Sheen's character, who's the new recruit of that platoon, he goes, a lot of the new guy, a lot of the old veterans in that platoon don't give a shit about me because they say they would rather have you die young when you first got to Vietnam because you don't get to see the shit. Because you don't actually get to live that hell. And so my interpretation of that after seeing Platoon and all these other Vietnam movies getting into Paco's now is like, yeah, they don't care about Mr. Clean because he was well Lawrence Fishburne was 14 when he made it I don't know what his character was in the movie I'm assuming like 14 or 15 but like he's just a young kid that's sort of like well like there's always going to be another body there's that was the war like there's well, always going to be more soldiers well, and then with the animal thing of Lance going to the dog it's because again comparing it to Platoon and what like a lot of these Vietnam movies are trying to show of like these people don't people meaning the american mainly the american soldiers that are fighting in this war treat the vietnamese and the enemy as animals that it isn't humans that they are animals and that's what the inner cutting is is showing with the buffalo is that like martin sheen isn't killing brando he's killing an animal because he's gone. Yeah, he's killing Brando somebody at their most so, primal state. Yeah. 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 Like he's killing. He's killing someone that's gone so insane that how how can he how can he even do what he's been doing at the end of the movie? And it's the same thing with like Lance, like saying like we got to save this puppy is almost like that human nature because in Platoon it shows these uh, soldiers basically trying to rape this Vietnam these Vietnam people and Charlie Sheen has to interrupt and be like you fucking animals like what are you doing like and they're like what man like like what are you like 
why are you trying to ruin our vibe? And he's like, you guys are fucking insane. And it goes to that conversation that you were saying with the US, the USO show of that, of like these primal white men, mainly a lot of white men, but this was also the first war where black uh, African-Americans also got to fight as well in the war. Um, like in like big roles, but with it, it's mainly a lot of white men that can't express their anger. Cause again, comparing it to platoon with platoon, they show a scene where it's, uh, William Dafoe and Charlie Sheen and them all smoking dope and doing drugs and stuff. Because with Oliver Stone, who was the director, who was also a Vietnam veteran talked about how mainly the people that did drugs and things like that got to express and let go a lot of these feelings and stuff. They got to decompress once and they got back to home base. Sure. And there's a lot of these white men, again, mainly specifically white men that are playing, you know, a lot of country music with was preferred to redneck music, playing poker, drinking, a lot of drinking and it just ends up showing up those scenes where like in platoon he shoots a vietnam uh woman and all these war crimes and that's what they're slowly building up to with apocalypse now it's just like where my where, where i'm at the distance wise of my struggle with this movie is that i see the vision i just don't think he he has a lot to say it's just not really packaged well, if that makes sense. It, sure. It's it's a lot of things, and that's where the the Odyssey comparison comes in. Where I'm like, I get it. It's just you're saying a lot, but you're not really doing it, or you're not really doing it better than other movies. And for me specifically, like Platoon, where like sure. like that one, I understand why I won Best Picture. And it's something where, like, I just don't, I just don't see it. But the, the, to tie it back all together with the conversation we're having, like, with the animals, like, to compare it, it's just, yeah, like, he's just trying to show the human nature of war, of, like, well, the quote-unquote human nature of war, where people just treat people like animals. Where sure. it was that thing that we talked about with Kong Skull Island, where, like, you take the war away, people will be brothers, yeah. Like John C. Riley's character, like really connected with that uh, other uh, Japanese soldier that he was with in World War II. Yeah. Because like you take the war away, you're just human. We're just human beings. But adding war to the mix, it's just it's just the enemy. It's just kill. And it's the same thing with Full Metal Jacket of like, I'm training killers. Like I'm training. I'm training these people. Like, yeah. It, yeah. No, but also I think that the puppy is in a way, this symbol of purity and innocence and yeah. um, the only good thing that Lance has seen in years. And mm. then he loses it. And he's he's more so, I think, upset at the loss of innocence than he is um, kind of disregarding his fellow man. I think that was something that um, that I think was an important part of using this tiny little puppy and putting, you know, taking it onto the boat and, you know, all of that. But yeah, I think there's a lot there. So, um, well, I was going to say, it's interesting that like, it's interesting if we're going from the perspective of like the, the puppy is like this symbol of innocence. It's interesting that they would get that after doing like the most atrocious thing that like this group of Mm -hmm. people, specifically does throughout the movie like as a unit they kill off they kill off this entire boat boat of innocent people yeah um well 
well, quote-unquote accidentally, because it's Mr. Clean that well, oh, just... Well, yeah, fought, I, I don't mean accidentally. I don't, I don't mean <laughs> yeah. accidentally as in, like, whoops. It's just, yeah. It's not like they It's definitely see, deliberate, and that comes down to the point it's where... It's deliberate with Mr. Clean, but they're like, the, the, the other people in the boat are like, well, this is what's happening, we gotta do it. But what I'm saying is, is that they don't just see other boats and they're like, well, we gotta kill these people. It's not like... Uh, yeah. But that's why that guy in the helicopter race just killing Vietnam people. <laughs> like, but that's like why crazy. Willard didn't want to stop. He's like, let's yeah. not stop because he knew what would happen. Yeah, he knew it would turn yeah. into a a gunfire, a gunshot, a gunfire, a gunfight. Between he knew what it would become because that's what happens side. when people with guns meet people who don't have guns. Yeah, that's what happens. But it's also like like the reason why I say like they they don't really. I don't even want to say mean it. It's because, like, like Chef, like, the whole time is like, like, why are we doing this? Like, he's, he's like, like why there's, are we doing nothing this? there's nothing in there's here. There's nothing in here. There's nothing in here. There's nothing here. Like, then, let's go. And then he kills. Like, they kill every single one of them. And he's like, do you know why she was, she was fighting? Do you know why? Because she wanted to protect this puppy. Yeah. And he pulls the puppy out. And, and I yeah. think he's, he's very frustrated with the whole situation as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I just because it we, doesn't help because yeah, the scene before he got attacked by a tiger, yeah. so he's already like he's on already edge, he's yeah. already on edge. He's saying <laughs> I I shouldn't be here. I should be learning how to cook. That's what I want to be doing, and um I I just think that I, I mean I hear you. Like I hear what you're saying. I hear. I think I think a lot of people would have trouble with this structure mm-hmm. of just this journey on the boat and all of these kind of it's little things happen. But it is kind of like the Odyssey. It is like a mission. It is something that is a gradual build up to something. So let's yeah. let's talk about that something. Like big chungus. What's this? Big, big <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the ending with Brando because I mean I I didn't Mr. as soon Mr. as they Father got himself. there. Yeah, as soon as they got there, I was like, okay. I didn't realize it was going to be so long with them yeah. there. I and honestly, I because you're telling me. I think you had even maybe Freddie, kind of. Yeah, um, I was under the impression. that... I think you had told me. Yeah, I was under the impression that it was the last ten minutes of the movie. I thought it was like they get there, but it's straight up like Marlon Brando gives a speech and then they roll credits. But it is like no, it's a long time. Marlon Brando monologues for like forty five minutes, literally, and I I kind of felt like the ending was dragging for me i was kind of feeling like mm-hmm. okay let's get to it but like at the same time like i think if i rewatch that knowing that that's what's that coming, that's what's coming yeah. i think i could maybe be in a better place to like listen to what he's saying yeah and try to try to gather um maybe the the intent behind it but then i watched hearts of darkness and they 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 did a lot about like francis's kind of like uh, his his process behind getting that final scene, and even he couldn't figure it out. Yeah, like they are having a really hard time figuring out how to end this movie. And even Francis says that he doesn't really like the ending. It's not perfect. It's not really like what he was <laughs> wanting for the ending. So, I mean, I find that interesting. I I do think the ending could have been a lot shorter yeah. <laughs> in my at least with my first watch. I don't know how y'all feel about that, but I, yeah, on my first watch, I think it could be a lot shorter. I do think that 
I think that it is, I think the intent is you are meant to literally sort of see Marlon Brando's character as like a sacrificial lamb for the U.S. military. Like, hence the metaphor, because it is, you know, the at the beginning of the movie, the whole reason he is going on there is because Marlon Brando's character at one point was like the best soldier that they ever had mm-hmm. in the military. And then he went rogue because he's been in this war for so long. So then what do you do when you make the perfect soldier and then you no longer have control of him anymore? You kill him. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is like, well, we got everything that we needed from you, but now you're a threat. And he became a god yeah. to those people. And so it's know. like, He's, you need to be disposed of. Yeah, you're taking advantage of your power in that situation. Yeah. Um, it, he's a threat to their yeah. mission. Yeah. The reason they're there, like you've become too powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like you're going to ex- you are going to expose too much about like what this actually is. Right. You know what I mean? Because exactly. like, they're like, because yeah, they even admit, a, they say he's taking <laughs> out some of the targets that he's taking out are targets we had in mind, but he is doing it of his own accord in methods that, War while crimes. they work, are <laughs> atrocious. Yeah. And they're like, we, well, well, and, you're supposed to only commit the war crimes that we can and, scratch out with, you know, Sharpie on these debriefing documents later. And let's get to it. He's in Cambodia. Yeah. Which... On the books, was not part of the Vietnam War. Yeah, but it like, was. We found out later that it was a lot of fucking war crimes. Also and, mentioned all the way along the river. Yeah, he's like, we're not supposed to be going that far. That's Cambodia. And he's like, yeah, that's where this guy is. And he's like, yeah, well, that's where we're going. <laughs> and it's just kind of like crazy that they even brought up Cambodia because that was not yeah. discussed at the time. That was not made released. Yeah, that was not made public to American people that we were even in there. Which, like, I've not seen a lot of these other, like, Vietnam movies, but... Yeah, no, 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 like, none of the other ones, at least the ones that we have watched, do it. They talk about it in the document, like, because... Yeah, sure. Like, we'll get to it. To put it but, to put to, to to put it simply, like like I have so much more to talk about the documentary. The documentary is way more interesting than the movie itself. To, oh, to, are you to, talking to talk about, about the Hearts of Darkness documentary? To talk to yeah, I think. Oh, Hearts well, of Darkness we've been talking about it like a little bit. So, um, like, if you want to say something to, to about wrap it, up, say something about to it. To wrap up the ending, at least, like, yeah, yeah the ending's a the ending's just a wet fart. <laughs> my opinion, to, <laughs> to, to this movie, it just kind of goes, and you're like, like, like I like what Freddie was saying. Like I thought they were going to get there. It was going to be like ten minutes, like in and out. Like they they see Brando. He might have a monologue, but then like you know he kills him, and then roll credits. But the fact that it kept going, it was like, oh no! It's this, like we this already had like how that people feel. Long this journey. almost feels like yeah, how fe- people probably felt about Lord of the Rings, where it's like. And credits, and then now we're in Hobbiton, and then now we're here, and then now here. And it's like, oh my god, there's so many. But yeah, but with the documentary, like to get into that, the interesting thing about it of like that, like the fact that they talk about is like the most interesting thing is that like Coppola as a person is that originally this originally Hearts of Darkness was supposed to be made by Orson Welles, 
the book. Yeah, the, he had it so the film, he was going to make it, yeah. Yes, he was going to make a film. It was in production. It was so deep into production. And then the studio was like, this is going to cost way too much money. Like, no, we're not going to do that. So Orson Welles decides, fuck it, I'm going to make the most baller move and make Citizen Kane. And it's like, damn, like arguably one of the greatest movies ever made. Then uh, years later, Coppola reads this book and decide and or the script. I forget how they word it. He basically gets wind of this and decides, I want to do this. Brings it to George Lucas at the time, because this is the time where Lucas Spielberg, Coppola and all these directors are buddy buddies. <laughs> That's also crazy. Brings it to Lucas and says, hey, you should direct this. Lucas is like, no, because one of the biggest things that Coppola wanted to do with the studios was, hey, I want to make this Vietnam movie in Vietnam during Vietnam. And they're like, how about no, man? <laughs> like, you have no Can't safety whatsoever. Yeah. So you then he's like, all right, <laughs> no studio was buying it. No studio was gripping. Even Lucas was like, let this go. So he's like, okay, I might as well let this go. What does he end up doing? The Godfather Part 1 and The Godfather Part 2 wins eight Oscars. Now, Normally in Hollywood, when you win this many Oscars or just have this much street cred, you would get the ultimate blank check of a movie from a studio because they're like, you're the hottest thing. Let's do it. Coppola was like, I want to make Apocalypse Now. So every studio was like, fuck that. So then United (laughs) Airways, I think it is, a, a, a defunct company fronted the $30 million. You mean United Artists? Yeah, artists. United Artists fronted the $30 million to make this movie. By the time they like they got to that cap, United Artists is like, this is taking too long because the, the story of this film, which is the, cra- the most crazy thing, they were going to do six weeks of shooting, ended up becoming 16 months of shooting. <laughs> so once it became too long, they're like, screw that. Let's... Uh, Coppola was like, fuck that. I still need to make this movie because this is going to be my magnum opus. This is going to be the best movie ever made. Like, fuck everybody. Makes his own company, uh, American Soda Trope, and then fronts all the money, mortgages his house and winery to front the money, and then admits in the documentary that once when it was his money, he's like, yeah, we could just do whatever we want because it's my money. So, like, might as well have, like, five helicopters. But then it gets into the more shit of, like, like we said at the beginning of, like, the Philippine. He had a deal with the Philippine government, but there was a war happening with the, by the time they were filming with the Philippines of, of, of all that stuff. So, if the Philippines needed their military, they needed to call to call off their military to fight the war so during that helicopter scene there were so many times where like they're about to film and the general was like yeah no there was you know some film fight happening like miles away from filming like we need five helicopters over there and Coppola's pissed about that with the fact that like Marlon Brando was signed on it at, at first but then wanted to sign off because the filming kept taking too long and he's like I don't want to sign on to this and I'm also going to take your 100 million dollar offer that you gave me it is just craziness after craziness after craziness after craziness for again a guy that has made the greatest movie of all time for most people (laughs) like it is just insane that even at this time in this guy's life he is on top of the world he should be on top of the world he cannot make 
this movie because also the documentary shows the press is also railing in on him being like why is he doing this like why vietnam america doesn't want vietnam movies like this is going to be bullshit and by the, and it kept going longer and longer and longer for filming they're like this is never going to get made why is he going to do this and then even couple admits the documentaries like i make shit films like and it's just in my opinion apocalypse now is the culmination of an auteur struggling with himself to make a film and you really see it when like we said where he didn't have an ending and also he admits that a lot of scenes in the movie are improvised <laughs> like, yeah. especially he brings up to the actors like hey what do you think this scene should work <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. it kind of um, it kind of adds to my like why I don't really like the movie because it's just a hodgepodge of just of what and it doesn't have a real like vision and plan and it just feels like by the time like Coppola knew that he was spending his own money it just got to the point and the production was taking longer and longer he was just like fuck it I'm just gonna make whatever I want to make and so if it's gonna take long it's gonna take long and I do think that that's a detriment to the movie itself yeah yeah I gotta say I disagree I think that that that's watching Hearts of Darkness and watching him kind of struggle and watching him uh, talk about uh, working outside of the studio system and making something that is an art form and not reliant on a studio giving you approval or giving you money and distributing your movie. Um, and then the product that came out of it is not perfect, but the effort that went into it is noticeable yeah so i think that is not a detriment to the movie in my opinion so um what did you think about apocalypse now cam i thought it was great (laughs) can i just make a small correction go ahead you said that you said that uh Marlon Brando was offered a hundred million dollars. I'm pretty sure it was million. just a million. Yeah, yeah. It, was just million. it was just a million. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, I just wanted to correct that just he, so it's not like floating yes. out there. Oh, yes. <laughs> when he was when not offered he three times out, the budget of the movie initially. Yeah. When he sent out the casting, he wanted Brando and he told Brando that he will give him he fronted one him million, million dollars. dollars. Yeah. Fronted a million dollars to do it. And like I said, when the like originally it was supposed to come in let's just say march it's december now and brando's like dude fuck off like he's like no i'm not gonna go to like your shit show of production like and plus on top of that i'm keeping your money because yeah. like he gave you the money and just all the frustration that couple had of like you got the philippines government that's fucking over with these helicopters and then you got brando's agent being like yeah brando's not gonna do it <laughs> Like, yeah. and he's taking your money. <laughs> like, it's like, dude. Like, it's what I'm saying is, it's like, I like the documentary shows, like, yes, like how crazy a movie gets made. And I think, like, yeah, like the fact that it got made is is amazing. And I do think, like, like I'm not saying like Apocalypse Now is a bad bad movie. What I'm saying is, it's like it's just not as like. Like you said, like when people talk about it, like I don't think it's as much of a masterpiece as most people think it is. It's something where like, yes, it's beautifully shot. Yes, like there's really good scenes. But I think like as a whole and as a Vietnam movie, I think other Vietnam movies do it better than Apocalypse Now. Yeah. 
So we have Cameron as a guest to talk about this movie, but he hasn't said much. So what do you got? What are your thoughts? Um, I thought it was a shit show. Um, I thought that it was pretty evident that the director of the movie was trying to recreate uh, war to a certain extent, like you were saying, uh, Emma, my wife, uh, <laughs> my wife, sitting my wife. next to me in the movie theater. She was like, do you understand anything that people are saying? Well, specifically during the helicopter scenes. I do think there is like two different like sides of the movie. And I think the intermission was like pretty good in terms of like, uh, separating the two. I mean, the, the, like the very first half of the movie is just like, oh, this is what it was like being like a GI in Vietnam or something like that. It was just like hell. And it was just like, you can't understand what people are saying. If things mm-hmm. way too much, it's overstimulating. And then like the second half of the movie actually has like a, uh, we're going to meet this person. We have a, um, a goal in mind. The first half, you're like trying to learn what the goal is. Almost. Mm-hmm. Um, like the inciting force, what's what's driving the story, and then you kind of once you know that, that second half is just like, here we go. Yeah, and it like it leads to you getting to like the Marlon Brando character, and you're like, oh, okay, what do we have here? And I don't know exactly, um, like you were saying too. I would like to rewatch the movie, rewatch uh, with subtitles, probably. Yes. The like <laughs> dialogue yeah. between uh, the Marlon Brando character and uh, the Martin Sheen character. Um, because I, I would assume that that's more of a uh, symbolic um symbolic representation of Vietnam. Like a metaphor? Yeah, of just the depravity and the war um, in that area. The horror. The horror, horror. right. Well, what I thought was interesting was when we were talking the other day a little bit about it and you were talking about specifically the napalm scenes. Oh, my God. And you were saying, like, how, how jarring it is to see, like... I mean, they like, they are just... They're they're quite literally recreating elements of this war, like they are they're napalming the jungle. Yeah, it's not fake. Like I I, I think at the end of the day, the the story they were trying to tell was war, because like if you think of any of these other war movies, it's like you're trying to tell the story of Rambo, yeah, of this like one hero. Well, at the beginning, you're trying to tell the story of like this thing or whatever. But, like, I, I feel like the recreation of this movie, for the most part, was, like, war itself. That's <laughs> yeah. literally what Hearts of Darkness opens with Francis Ford Coppola introducing his film at Cannes in 1978. And he says, my film isn't about Vietnam. My film is Vietnam. Yeah. And I think he succeeded in my opinion, because at least if that's his purpose, yeah. I felt it. Yeah. To I was a, not he, there in he, Vietnam, but I felt it. Yeah, he's created it to an uncomfortable degree. Yes, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Hard to sit through. Okay. Really not a fun movie to watch. No, I... Yeah, we're gonna... Not a, not a sit back, kick your feet up, yeah. open a beer type movie. Eat your popcorn. It's like, yeah, I feel like for a long time, it probably well, was regarded as a movie kind of like that. Like based I was on about like, to say, if you like ask the, certain I love people, the smell is. of napalm in the morning or <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's exactly. like, I think a lot of people did kind of just watch that movie and be like, whoa, that was crazy. Yeah. It's, 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 but like, I did not have that viewing. That in full metal jacket, you kick your feet up, crack open feature. a couple beers, and then pass out as soon as they find the dog. And then you're like, man, oh, what we got a dog. We gotta go get the dog. All right, let's get into our ratings. We always get into our ratings. Let's get about into the, the movies. Ratings. Um, Seabear, why don't you go first? Okay. Um, like I've been kind of saying, I, I to get it right off the bat, and then I'll explain. I think this movie is a solid gentleman's seven. Gentleman's gentleman seven. seven. A gentleman's seven means that it is really good. That it, that it's like a, it's just like it's a high seven. Yeah, like it's a high seven. I don't think I'll give it a six. I was really struggling for a while. I originally on my notes, like on my paper notes, I gave it an eight. But after like thinking about it, really wrestling with it at work and stuff, I'm like, no, this is like a seven, especially after watching the documentary. Because it's just like, again, like I do think maybe after a rewatch, it might go up, but I'm not sure. Because again, I just think that other movies do it better and specifically the other movie being platoon i just think platoon really shows and documents like what vietnam was like at that time and i think like with that movie specifically it helps that the director fought in vietnam and like actually saw what happened in vietnam versus just like stories of vietnam and and things and i'm not saying that like coppola had to you know serve and stuff but it is it is something of like where like to, to me uh, a platoon just kind of feels like how I think most veterans feel about Saving Private Ryan. Where like again, like that first like opening of Saving Private Ryan is like the most accurate thing to World War Two and stuff. And so with with this movie, it's like it's very pretty. It's got really good scenes. I will admit the Brando the Brando monologue is such a monologue. Feels like a Mike Flanagan monologue. <laughs> like every monologue. Hell yeah, I love Mike Flanagan. Um, um, but like it's just again like when it all comes together and stuff it's just not my type of movie like I've made it before like I just don't really care for war movies I don't really care for war itself and it's something where like I just don't think I, I, I just I'm just like as the time has been going on since Platoon I just think more about Platoon than any movie that I've seen this this month with discussing Vietnam you should have picked so Platoon this one, Connor just again yeah, it's just again like <laughs> it's just a solid gentleman seven. Like I like like should've, I can see should have picked everyone... platoon instead of Kong Skull Island. Right, shut up yeah, I know. Shut <laughs> yeah. up but like, but like I could again to wrap it up. I could see why people really enjoy this. I just you know, I, I it's it's a seven for me. Cool. It's a seven for me, dog. Cam, do you want to go next? Uh, I did not enjoy it. Let the record show. Um, I'll give it a. I mean, if if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a movie person. Um, so if you haven't seen it, it's a 10 out of 10. And if you have seen it, like, you know, it's a zero out of 10. Like, <laughs> like, 
I yeah, that's that's my read. I no, honestly though, I I get, I get your point though. Um, I don't. Do you want to go last because it was your movie? Yeah, sure. You? Okay. Was go there ahead, any more that you wanted to say about it, or is that where you want to? I think uh, he's done. I I don't I don't have that much <laughs> more to say about it outside of the fact that like it's not a. I, I'm sure a lot of people did see the movie and think like, or or like didn't really like digest it. I guess the way that I did, but like me watching it in that movie theater, it was just like, it, yeah, it was like depravity. It was just like war. Yeah, and it's like that's not fun to watch that. And that's yeah. like coming from somebody that like plays like war video games and stuff. It's like, oh, I get to like play as like a soldier or whatever it's like it once you see it like played out and like it was i i feel like it was honestly trying to be an accurate depiction of war and like if 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 you're trying to approach it honestly in such a way that they did it yeah it, it was not a good time but yeah. Definitely agree with you. <laughs> but but they shot it very well. <laughs> yeah, like it it was very yeah. well done. All right, I Frank. think good looking movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I think it is. I would say I would give it like a four to five out of ten. Um, I think that it is like the parts that the parts that are impressive are very impressive, like the the bridge sequence. That part is, like, the most standout scene for me, just in the way that it is. I think that scene is, like, the best culmination of the talent of the people making the film and, like, the situation actually working. You've got that, you've got that drastic lighting and just that chaos, and it puts a, it puts a level of fear in you just in how well-crafted that whole sequence is. Um, but I think in, in general, like it's a movie that like a lot of films in film history, you like you, you will talk about it. Like apocalypse now is a quintessential movie to like a film history timeline. And a lot of movies that are quintessential to a film history timeline have, you know their issues yeah. and some that are some that are outright deplorable but unfortunately you know it's a part of history so i think that's what put us here yeah it's you know it's shout out to the jazz singer the jazz singer or like birth of a nation like yeah. birth of a nation proved that deplorable. people were willing to sit yeah. in a movie theater for longer than 20 minutes yeah. it's four hours long and it is just an advertisement for the kkk yeah um and the nook of the north is one of the first major documentaries it's the same thing it's super racist and just just horrific portrayal of indigenous people anyway but i think you know with apocalypse now it is this, like, Francis Ward Coppola's, like, undying commitment to try to portray this as realistically as possible and just how how much of a hell it became to try to make that a reality. And at what point was it 
you know, at what point do you ask yourself, how far am I willing to go to make this happen? And I think that's where a lot of the significance comes, especially when you can, when you watch Heart of Darkness and you see the more of this behind the scenes process. I think that's where a lot of the impact and the significance of this movie comes in because it was such a different way of making a movie and a commitment that most people would give would give up on long before this movie ever even gets close to oh, yeah. being in a theater. So to that extent it's like I see it. Um but I do I do think that there are other movies that portray this better. It's just you can you can see the commitment in the scenes that really do work. So I, that's where I would say I would give it like a 4 out of 5. Cool cool. Yeah, um, I'm going to be pretty objective about this movie. No, I don't know if objective is the right word. I'm going to be pretty... Um, I'm, I'm going to withhold my ethical dilemmas for this rating, at least. You don't have to if you don't want I to. Think, no, I mean, I that's how I rated this movie. I rated this movie... Kind of putting my ethical dilemmas aside and my my issues with the making of this movie aside and just looked at it as a movie. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know all of those other things, what would I think about this movie? And I think in terms of production value, in terms of acting performances, in terms of writing, in terms of the story structure in terms of uh an adaptation even if you want if you want to use that word in terms of that i think this movie is not perfect but very well done and i gave it a four and a half out of ten four and a half out of five nine out of ten (laughs) all right there you go Four and a half out of ten. Four and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> you did the same thing, Freddie. Like, yeah. You so. did the same thing, Freddie. We said four out of ten. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and you said four did out of five. Four to four, I no, thought I thought you said four out of five. I thought you said four out of five. Eight out of ten. So we got a three yeah, and a half. That's what it was. We got a four out of five. We got a four and a half out of five. We got a zero out of five. I'm just well, kidding. Well, it depends on whether or not you saw the movie. I will say, <laughs> if, if you haven't, where, if you have not seen the movie, it's a and, five out of five. And you're a movie watcher, and you're listening to this podcast. You want people to watch you it. You should see it. Yeah, but no, yeah. if you're not, then don't watch it. I also, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. you don't. I need also to want the record. I also sure. want the record to show that I give Hearts of Darkness a nine out of ten. That's what I would do. Yeah, My I gave- box review was also uh, this, like I said in the podcast, this is a lot more interesting than the movie itself. And it's because of that, of like where I kind of wrestled with that seven of just like the making of and everything. I kind of combined it all. But I do think that like, if you, if you walk away out of Hearts of Darkness and not motivated to make a movie, like I don't know what. For real, makes, like literally like, Francis yeah. ends, that, ends that documentary by saying like, I like I I love that children today have access to cameras and I hope a little girl picks it up and makes a movie and I'm like you're like your daughter yeah like, yeah. like your daughter like, like it's so it's, it's so insp- <laughs> inspirational in that way of yeah, like it is really and sweet. I, like like Freddie said of like an auteur like 
you know, like wrestling with like making this movie, like where a lot of people would have gave up, like he didn't. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, I think like, that's like, fuck, like, fuck yeah, he made this movie. Like, and, and also, fuck the studios. Like, make movies like that. Bitches. Well, well, they admit it there and it is this thing of like watching Vietnam, all these other Vietnam movies. The only one that I think was released by a major studio that I've seen so far is Deer Hunter. Which yeah. I believe was universal. Yeah. And that was actually, I think, after Vietnam. Yeah. So, like, a yeah. lot of studios at the time were very, like, hush hush about it because, like, they, they, they weren't, af- I don't think they were afraid about the war. They were just afraid about what st- studios always are afraid. It's the money. audience. They just yeah. did it. Money, no, money, money, money. They just didn't know if the, yeah, they didn't know if an audience will, like, do it. And that's why, like... And, and, and Francis Ford Coppola didn't care about that. He's like, I don't care. And honestly, I think that is another reason why I like it. Because he said something in Hearts of Darkness that said, the only audience member that matters is me. Do I like this movie? And if I don't like this movie, then it's shit. And I don't care if anybody else sees this movie. At the end of the day, I just want to make a movie that I like. Yeah, that I really. think is good. And well, so that's why it took him so long to make it. And I think that yeah. honestly is what makes me kind of like it as well is because I, yeah. I see his passion and I, and I can appreciate that passion and I can, you know, I can, um, I guess I can just uh, appreciate it, uh, the effort that it, that it took to get there. And so well, like I was going to say that's, with like the studios of just like, that's why I think like you got things like platoon and like, uh, like apocalypse now and like all these movies that were made around that time where it was just, uh, uh, basically like they, like, cause I think platoon was made by, uh, or, uh, Oren or around the, the MGM like affiliate company. And it's just like, it's like a independent studio. And it's just like a lot of these movies were made by like non high up studios. And it's not until like years later, like with full metal jacket, it's Warner brothers, but it wasn't until like, yeah, that was like eighties. So yeah, it's just sure. like, yeah, like, like so, around the time when these movies were coming out, they were all like funded independently. Yeah. So that wraps up our final film of Vietnam November, Vietnam Vember. Um, I hope you have enjoyed this time. Um, I can't say that it has been enjoyable, but I have enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know <laughs> if that makes sense. But yeah, I just want us to be aware that next week we are doing our November new release. So Everybody, watch this movie before next week's episode. We are going to watch The Holdovers by Alexander Payne. And um, I have seen The Holdovers. Connor has seen The Holdovers. Freddie has not. It does have a tie into the Vietnam conversation. It's set during the Vietnam War. That's not necessarily why we picked it, but it kind of just works. Another film that we all need to make sure that we watch before next week is a 1975 documentary about Vietnam called Hearts and Minds. We will spend some time talking about Hearts and Minds in our Vietnam November recap, where we talk about all three of our films and what they have in common and how they tie in together. And we will also talk about Hearts and Minds as it is a quintessential Vietnam film. So I've heard. So that's coming up. Um, thanks for listening. I know we talk a lot and these episodes are long. Um, but 
You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how easy it is to babble on about things you love. So um, (laughs) just be patient with us and listen to us babble. If you you made it this far, you're a real homie. If you didn't... That's um, our sign off. You know, we're getting... That's our home. We're we're getting we're getting started. We're thanks for we'll, listening we'll, to we'll, Triple we'll Feature. We'll trim it down, get her more streamlined eventually. We're Just trying to we're trying to trim it down. Journey. Yeah. Um. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Letterboxd. Never and stop watching movies. And never stop watching movies. That's it for today. Everybody say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.